Hey girl. You're listening to the Cinephilia Podcast. With your hosts, Michael Gaddy and Trevor Messid. Mmm, Cinephilia. But we love movies so much it should be illegal. Hello and welcome to Cinephilia, the podcast episode number 35. I'm Michael Gaddy. I'm Trevor Messid. Just when I thought we were back on schedule. We get back out of it again. Life life happens. Yeah. That's fine. Whatever. This is this is free. Yeah, we're doing this for you know, you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear no complaints. <laughs> I'm gonna turn this podcast around if you don't anyways. How how have you been since last time we recorded, which was like a week and a half ago or whatever it was? Uh good. I'm trying to think of any major milestones, but yeah, other I can't think of any. So other than that, we're good, man. How about you? Well, this was a lot closer to when we were going to record originally, but uh, on the second, my girlfriend, Valerie, and I celebrated our 10 years after becoming a boyfriend and girlfriend the first time. So we've had our the, off and the, on. I li- yeah, I like, I like the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our 10-year dating anniversary, I guess. But then our first date was like November 15th. But yeah, it's insane. That's been 10 years. 10 years. That's crazy. Uh, here, here, now, now. No. Uh, Nobody's going to get that reference. Joey, Joey. Uh, his name was Joey. Uh, uh, Joey, Joey. Yeah. JJ Walker, right? JJ Walker. No one knows what the fuck Improv. we're talking about. Anyway, it's not our improv, thank God. I had to edit that mess. Hi, Ryan Bosch. Uh, so some of the stuff we did, we went to uh, the Griffith Park Railroad, that little kitty railroad where they have the pony rides. Uh, they have decorations. It was like seven bucks a person to ride that and uh, see Christmas lights. That they have on display uh we saw other christmas lights we went to one of the three candy cane lanes they're like there's one in like culver city area near um, lax and then there's another in woodland hills and then there's another in long beach but we went to the one by lax because we happen to be in that area because we went to see uh the broadway version of winnie the pooh which it's like a new music it's done by disney but it's supposed to be this Broadway production, and then it was like only an hour with no intermission. And it's fine when I, I love Winnie the Pooh, and so does my girlfriend. I keep wanting to say my girlfriend, but I should be saying, and so does Valerie. But no, it's fun, and I was very. What are you doing? I'm a fucking idiot. There's no straw in the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to drink out of my cup, and there's no straw in it. I was like, what? what's going on? I was like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was like half paying attention to what you're doing because it was distracting but yeah sorry i didn't mean to distract you i was trying to be very quiet about it no but that's that's hilarious because we both have water bottles with those zippers so inside is a straw but apparently trevor's is being washed or something yeah it was washed thank you tressa <laughs> anyways uh so yeah I, I love winnie the pooh i've always loved winnie the pooh especially uh as a kid growing up with the many adventures of winnie the pooh which was uh, made around the same time as like Dark Darkwing Duck, DuckTales, and all that. And they have a little piece of the theme music in the score of the. Uh, I look like. <laughs> Broadway? You look, yeah, you look like you're in another world right I'm, now. I'm listening. So. Oh, sorry. Intently. Um, this is a great start. Yes, it's <clears> really great. Very energetic. Some of the cool places we ate at uh, there's this Mexican restaurant in Burbank that we uh, went to 
like four years ago and we went to again this little hole in the wall place right next to uh the warner brothers studio called el carpintero i don't know if you've ever been i have not i'd recommend it uh we also went to apple pan which was a bit of a disappointment yeah i um a lot of people say that it's yeah. like highly regarded by some and then other, a lot of people say it's a disappointment yeah valerie got grilled cheese and it looked like it looked worse than something that anybody that i know can make like the worst grilled cheese from somebody if we all had a big competition the worst one would be about that would on be the par same. with yeah this expense it was probably like 10 bucks too for the grilled cheese stupid uh we went to a place called lucky boy when we went to because we went to a place called season screamings which was a, a horror christmas um convention and in pasadena and there's a place called lucky boy i don't know if you've ever been there but it's like a bur- old style burger joint mm, no uh reminded me of uh tom's burger okay growing yeah. up there are like a million of those around uh, the victor valley area but uh that was really good worth walking nearly a mile in the rain and then we also went to a place in burbank called sliders which is a dessert place yeah there i've been there yeah i bought a bunch of movies when i went to season screamings and they had a panel with the <laughs> that was weird Fucking alien coming out of you <laughs> they had a panel with the uh, the killer from silent night deadly night the killer from silent night deadly night 2 and the killer from jack frost not the michael keaton movie oh, no. <laughs> but so the guy who famously said garbage day in silent night deadly night 2 yeah, was insert there. clip here yeah i'll insert the clip garbage day huh? no and then they they opened up for questions afterwards a q a and i nobody was getting up so it was like really getting awkward and i was like i'll get up and ask him to say the line you know, like in The Simpsons. Say the line, Bart! And I asked him to, and he didn't. <laughs> what, what did he say? Uh, I have the clip. Uh, I recorded him. I'm like, hey, uh, this is actually more of a request from, from Eric. Uh, could you say... From, did you say from Eric? Eric is Eric Freeman is his name. Oh, God. Yeah, it. the actor. For Eric. Yeah. Uh, I said, can you say Garbage Day like you said it in the movie? And he got all, like, uncomfortable. I don't think he was being a dick. I think he was just an introvert, which is weird, because... He's an actor. He, and he's on a panel. Yeah, and on a panel. Doing a Q&A. And yeah, you can get his autograph for like 30 bucks or whatever it was. And uh, it would have been cool to have that. But then after he didn't say anything, like Valerie was like going, oh, I'm going to get his his autograph. And then after the panel, we were like, nah, we're good. But uh, yeah, he said a, a big explanation of why he doesn't anymore. He or, said it though? No, he didn't say it. Oh, okay. He said the words garbage day, but one insight into the movie is that he was trying to do like a Clint Eastwood thing in those scenes. <laughs> so if you watch the movie, you're like, okay, I can see it. I can see why. He's like, first I'm like electrocuting uh, this guy. And then I'm like strangling. And like he goes through the breakdown of the scene. So I'll try to put in the clip if it, if this, the audio quality sounds good enough, because I haven't listened to it since. Uh, I, I really can't. That was a one-time ever. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> oh, it's up to you, of course. Okay, no. And uh, Henry Thomas was there, too, from E.T. Elliot. He's not looking good. Oh, I mean, it's like, what, 60 nearly? Is now? he really? Well, he was 8 or whatever in 82. So. Okay, so he's old. Yeah. I can't do math right now. No, I can't either. So he'd probably be like in his fifties. Um, 
yeah but no that was that was a fun experience and i bought a bunch of movies including uh tammy and the t-rex with uh paul walker and denise richards what the fuck <laughs> is that a kid's movie <laughs> no it's uh, a movie that uh was before either of them were famous okay and paul walker dies in the movie uh rest in peace and the uh, evil scientist takes his brain and puts it into a t-rex and so he's just this t-rex this horrible animatronic t-rex is just wandering around does he like man. talk i don't think he talks but then uh like the character tammy played by denise richards from last week's movie was all uh, they're like still in love even though he's a t-rex oh cute and i also bought jack frost because the guy who plays jack frost was very he like pushy not pushy but no he the way he was talking i was like this guy's interesting and this he's making this i didn't care for the movie at all i didn't want to care to see it um but he convinced me to to get it i was like this this guy sounds like fun this movie sounds fun he even talks about how uh he was he went to the egyptian theater in in hollywood with his family and they were putting up a poster for jack frost and this is a movie that went straight to video so it was never there was never a 3d print made let alone shown and so he goes up to the people and he's like hey uh, what's up with that and they're like oh we're so excited uh, apparently the director like had a 3d print made when the movie came out but nobody's ever seen it except for the director but he's finally given it to vinegar syndrome is the uh, um, blu-ray company that made it and uh so they're going to have like this one time this first time screening and he talks about how every time he was like well i don't know if you know and he's like oh no i know like this is the first time it's ever going to be like they kept interrupting him and he's like no i'm jack frost that's funny <laughs> and they're like give me your number now so they like uh, he got like a million text messages from promoters saying do you want to be there for a q a afterwards and so um that sounded like that would have been fun to go to but the guy was very interesting, very fun to listen to. While the first guy who from the first Silent Night, Deadly Night was, um, he was cool. A bummer. No, he was the first guy was cool, but then Eric Freeman from Part Two. Oh, is that garbage? So day? Yeah, it's oh, garbage. Day, so got it. That was disappointing, but still, it's funny, and I, I learned a couple things about the movie. So what I'm saying was that was a fun experience. Okay. I talked more about that than I did about uh, the anniversary weekend I have my my girlfriend. Um, but let's talk about last week's episode. Uh, Unspooled actually did a Planes, Trains, and Automobiles yeah, episode. Right I didn't after. Know. Uh, they don't repeat too much of what we said, so you, the listener, can listen to it. They actually talk about the uh, what it says on the back of the uh, Canadian Mounted book because apparently that was a real book mm -hmm. so i didn't know that and also about actual last episode uh i wanted to talk i don't know why i didn't mention this before but the whole britney spears thing in that movie i'm like how fucked up is that like when you really think about it it's like you're you write this joke about britney spears sleeping with some old gross rock stars like that's kind of fucked up and uh we didn't point that out before but yeah especially after everything since then about britney and how old britney was thing. britney spears in the in 2003 i think she's two years older than me so i was 19 so she was 21 okay so, so it wasn't like anything like egregiously like young yeah no she wasn't underage but still just that idea of like oh she's such a slut she'll sleep with um mick jagger basically yeah uh so i just wanted to say that how fucked up that is uh 
what movie are we talking about this week? None of the movies I just mentioned. The the most played Christmas movie of all time, the 1983 adaptation of Gene Shepard's work, A Christmas Story. Speaking of 1983, the first mobile phone was introduced by Motorola. A 5.2 earthquake hits central New York, which I didn't know earthquakes ever hit there. Uh, Sally Ride becomes the first American woman in space, and now finally this year or next year, I, I, don't, I know that to, the flight happened. I don't know if they actually landed on the moon, but women are finally going to land on the moon. Great. Nearly uh, 40 years later. Uh, average income per year was $21,070. Minimum wage was three thirty-five. Average cost of a new house was 82600 Monthly rent was three thirty-five. Gas was ninety six cents. I paid three seventy nine last night for gas. Wow, where'd you get it? Because I saw it was three ninety nine in places, and I got gas yeah. yesterday, and it was four oh nine. Uh, Costco, or not Costco, uh, Costa Mesa. Oh wow! Uh, but the one over near where I live uh, is three ninety nine. Arco, yeah, Arco, always Arco. And movie Sponsor tickets us. were three eighteen. The best selling toy of nineteen eighty three. This is one of the best selling toys like ever. It was one of the first things that people were like dying to get on christmas one of those first like ultra popular toys do you want to guess what it is was it a nintendo no nope, that's too early nintendo. um no i have no idea it was the cabbage patch kid oh uh, we've talked about that before mm-hmm. too in 1983 the video game crash happened which was try to make it super quick uh atari was super popular in the 70s early 80s and so they thought that they can just make any game whatsoever and people will buy it. So they flooded the market with video games. A bunch of other companies, uh, or no, it was they stopped paying their, they didn't give credit to their employees, the programmers, I should say. And so then they left and started Activision. And then, so they started making popular games like Pitfall. And then other companies said, hey, we can make games for the Atari as well. And so just everybody just made the shittiest fucking games possible. So Atari was like, we need to make better games. Hey, Pac-Man's the most popular game in the arcade. Let's make a port of it. And it was garbage. And then they said, okay, well, E.T. is going to be a huge movie, so let's make a game for it. And they made it in like six weeks. And it was the by one person. worst game of all time. Yeah, it was so bad that uh, the video game market crashed. But in Japan, they released the Famicom, which eventually made it over here as the Nintendo Entertainment System. Famicom came out that year in Japan. In 1986, and Sega actually had the SG-1000, which was before the Master System, which was before the Mega Drive, which is what we called the Genesis. In the arcade, Star Wars, the arcade game, or I think it was like Star Wars, a trilogy arcade or whatever, that vector graphic video game. I don't know if you've ever played it before. The no. fun one. Mario Brothers, where you, Luigi is introduced, was uh, premiered, I guess. Dragon's Lair, which was a laser disc game made by uh, the guy who did uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Don Bluth. Thank you. Don Bluth. Spy Hunter and Punch Out before Mike Tyson was involved. The top five TV shows were Simon and Simon, The A Team, Dynasty, 60 Minutes, and Dallas. Shows that debuted that year in 1983 were Fraggle Rock, Mama's Family. I used to watch that. The A Team, Reading Rainbow, He Man and the Masters of the Universe. Inspector Gadget and Alvin and the Chipmunks. I actually watched most of those shows. Uh, shows that ended that year were The Greatest Hero, American Hero, MASH, which is, I think, still the most watched finale of all time. The uh, Little House on the Prairie, Laverne and Shirley, Chips, Taxi, and The Incredible Hulk. Top five songs of 1983 were 
Beat It by Michael Jackson to make up for a couple Finally, fuck. episodes ago. Down Under by Men at Work. Flashdance, What a Feeling by Irene Cara. Cara? I don't know. Billy Jean was number two, Michael Jackson. And one of my least favorite songs of all time, Every Breath You Take by The Police, was the number one song of 1983. Stalkers. Yeah, Stalkers Anthem. Top five moneymakers in cinema were War Games, Trading Places, which is also a Christmas movie, Flashdance, Terms of Endearment, and do you want to guess what the biggest moneymaker of 1983 was? It's not Jaws, is it? No, that was 75. Do you want to give me a hint, small hint? Uh, I mentioned something related to it, but not in movies. E.T.? No. Are you, you're thinking of Spielberg, but... I have no idea. It doesn't matter. Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay, yeah. Other notable movies that came out in 1983 were Mr. Mom, written by uh, John Hughes. Risky Business, which was the breakout role for Tom Cruise. Uh, the Big Chill, which I think... I've only watched half of it, and I think is a pretty overrated and the obvious inspiration for 10 years uh breathless the remake breathless with richard gear uh christine the dead zone jaws 3d the king of comedy mickey's christmas carol monty python's the meaning of life national lampoon's vacation rumblefish the right stuff scarface superman 3 twilight zone the movie video drone and valley girl but we're not talking about those movies <laughs> I don't know why I laugh at that now because that's it's a pretty good that's your, that's transition. Your thing, yeah, now. that's that's your thing. I'll stop. I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. We're talking about a Christmas story, which was written by Gene Shepard based on his work, directed by Bob Clark. It has a 7.9 on IMDb, which doesn't put it in the top 250. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 90 and an audience score of 88. Do you want to guess the budget of this movie? Three million dollars. Three point three million dollars. Nice. Just so you know, I do have a um, a pitch for this movie. Okay, whenever cool. you're ready. Um, nearly there. Uh, do you want to guess how much it made? Sixteen million. Uh, not too far off. Uh, Twenty million seven hundred ninety-one thousand six hundred forty-nine dollars, and it is in the Library of Congress. It entered in 2012, just ten years ago. Wow. Um, before we get into the pitch, this is a movie about a man remembering his favorite Christmas present of all time. So I want to talk about some of our favorite Christmas presents we've gotten. Uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. So I thought about this for a long time. And the only thing that came to mind was, um, I don't remember how old I was, obviously very young. Um, my dad bought my brother and I, uh, Sony PlayStation one. Nice. He brought home a box, like it was like a really big box that had like um, like one of those adding machines on it, mm-hmm. and he just like put it on like the kitchen table, and we're like, "What is that?" He's like, "Oh no, it's something for work," and like, <laughs> and then he surprised us, and it had like, um, like it was the it had like a couple games mm-hmm. with it, and like it was weird because like my dad didn't play video games and he didn't know what he what we liked, but I remember he got us like. Uh, Duke Nukem, which was like, mm-hmm. do you remember that game? 3D. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like, diff- uh, a, like two controllers and stuff. So it was like a legit set. And I just remember being like super surprised by it. Um, do you know what, what year this was? No, there's no, no I have no idea. Cause what, what year did the PlayStation come out? It came out in 95. So, I mean, if you got like anybody getting a video game, any kid getting a video game system, those first two years, like the year it came out or the year after is like, I feel like maybe it was the year it came out. 
Maybe, yeah. Because it wasn't like something yeah. that was like, oh, the PlayStation's been out. I was like, oh my God, PlayStation. Yeah. I didn't scream like the kid, the Nintendo 64 <laughs> kid, but. Um, <laughs> Which that animation for it is yeah. still makes me laugh. Um, anything else? Um, that's all I can think of. That's terrible. I know Tress has gotten me like a lot of great gifts, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she's, she's not going to listen to this anyway. Doesn't matter. <laughs> she's not. She's, she's not. not she's not with us anymore. Or, or, oh, oh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> she's not with us today. She's, she's still not, alive. She's not present. She's happy. She's alive. Everything's good. Um, but yeah, I can't. I can't think of anything. But I'd love to hear what you have. Uh, it's funny you said Nintendo sixty four because we did get one, but it wasn't until I think it was ninety nine. So it had been out for three years at that point, which is still great. But, you know, I'd seen friends with it and wanted it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a Sega Genesis for my 10th birthday, which was in retrospect, kind of on a, when it was on its way out. Cause that would be 94. But I, you know, jumped in my grandfather's arms cause he got it for me for my, my birthday. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So I had that for the previous five years. Uh, I remember getting a game boy on Christmas, which was really cool. Came with Tetris uh and i remember getting video that was like my system probably from like 89 or 90 until um 94 when we got the the uh, the genesis we had a turbo graphic 16 too but we only had like three games for it uh for those of you who don't know turbo graphic 16 came out like right before the sega genesis it was the first 16-bit system in america um but yeah so i remember going to like toys for us and going and picking out the game so you get the little paper slip and you take it to the front and they'd have to go in the back and find the video games um i don't know if you remember toys r us being like that no for video games especially. i remember i remember toys r us though for sure um we've got a bike two different bikes you know probably several years apart which are really cool uh, the one that always comes to mind specifically is, as far as childhood goes is the deluxe talk boy from home wow. alone 2 i always wanted one of those yeah i had one and it was it was as great as, you know, it, he makes a look in the movie. That's awesome. I would record it in slow. How do <laughs> This is the father. I would record it in slow version and then play it back normal. So it'd be all high pitched too. So uh-huh. it's like, <laughs> I figured it out. Clever man. Yes. Um, more recently, uh, a few years back, Valerie got me the uh, Nintendo classic edition console. So it, it's, you know, those mini ones that come with the real controllers and like the real original ones it look yeah it looks like a, a real original one but it's probably like the size of like a game boy pretty much it's yeah. tiny has an hdmi port and has a usb port which means you can hook it up to your computer and hack it and put every nintendo game on it so i have every nintendo game on the title box um so if you ever want to play that sometime let me know okay uh, <laughs> i choose not to pirate my games thank you very much <laughs> I, I am a upstanding citizen. Do you know they have uh, the same thing for Sony PlayStation? Yeah. And you can do the same thing to it. Yeah. yeah. I have it for Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and Genesis, uh, but I don't have Sony I would just do Sega Genesis for... Um, Moonwalker. Moonwalker, of course. <laughs> I uh, See, I didn't grow up with, with uh, PlayStation until the second one, but that was already like 2002, so it had been out for a couple years already. Um, I remember Tyler. Tyler was working. He was old enough to have a job, and he uh, he saved up his money and he bought a PlayStation. And I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it, PlayStation!" Um, that you were, you were talking about your dad hiding the 
hiding in plain sight. Yeah. It reminded me of this one time. Oh, I didn't even say the, the story behind the Nintendo 64. Uh, we all knew where my uh, parents had hid the presents that was mm-hmm. in their closet. And I just happened to be in there for some reason. And it was like September or October. It was too early for Christmas presents, so I thought... And I saw the Nintendo 64 in there. The box was the, just sitting it, there? Yeah, it was just in there. It was probably slightly hidden, but I saw it. And they also got like a deal at Toys R Us. It came with a free uh, Game Boy Pocket. Um, but I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. And it came with like an extra controller, which was the Atomic Purple one. So I pulled everything out of the box, looked at it. And I was oh like, oh my God, awesome. you opened the box? Yeah. That's funny. Because, you know, it wasn't taped shut or anything. So then I put it all back in, and then like a few weeks later, I did it again. I was going to say, did you go back multiple times to like look at it again? I just went back for a second time and oh. looked at it. I was like, oh, so when they went to hand it out, they handed it to me because it was for all three of us, but they went to hand it to me because I was the oldest. And so I had to act super surprised. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> Nintendo yeah. 64. Now we can buy your greatest uh, Thank you, Santa. <laughs> and because that was such a common thing that we knew, a couple years prior, I was walking home from school and I found a Super Nintendo controller just out in the street we lived on a dirt road just in the middle of the dirt road but it was missing the connector so i took it home just out of curiosity and i went oh, i know what i'll do so i'm probably 12 at this point and so that means my one of my sisters is nine the other one would be can't do math five and so i went to the older one i said hey i i i think mom and dad got us a, a super nintendo so this was like when it was still kind of popular. Uh, I already had my Genesis at this point. So I was like, come on, come on, I'll show you. I can kind of see the controller like under the, the door as if they would have it that close to the door and yeah. mess up that bad. So I'm like, here, let me go. Let me pull it. Oh, maybe I could pull it. Uh, and I pull <laughs> the missing connector at the end. I'm like, oh no. And she starts freaking out. And then I was like, oh no, I'm just, I'm just playing with you. That's fine. Now I'm just fucking weak, kid. <laughs> and I'm like, now let's do it to our other sister. And I did it again. To her. <laughs> you're, uh, you're a bad brother. We also used to get a lot of stockings with like silly putty and uh, koosh balls, comic books. Well, this is me specifically. Wizard Magazine. Remember Wizard Magazine? Yeah, actually I do. It's like you can look up the how much stuff costs, like cards. Or yeah, that like would be in the back. And stuff like that. Uh, there would be a comic price guide, but there would be like, hey, this new movie based on X-Men's coming out in like a couple years. Uh, here's some casting rumors or, Hey, this comic book is coming out and it's supposed to be really good. Or Jim Lee is actually going to be drawing for DC now. And it's going to, he's going to do Batman, you know, stuff that at the time was like profound or here's our, our fan casting of a fantastic four movie. Cause mm-hmm. at the time they, you know, have any of that, those, those things. So it was really cool. One of the things that just came to mind <laughs> Um, the kind of profound, I guess, was the first, um, when I was growing up, my, my dad used a skate skateboard when he was, um, you know, a teenager, 16, Mm -hmm. 17, whatever. So he, did he uh, grow up in California too? He was born in Argentina, but he moved here, um, when he was, I want to say six or seven. So, you know, his adult life and teenage years he was spent here but he skated and he surfed or whatever and then um he had his old skateboards so like growing up i had his old skateboards and that's mm-hmm. how i learned how to skate was like on these old like banana boards or whatever and then um what a really great gift that i remember is like my first like real skateboard and i was probably 
uh, seven or eight or something like that and i was like and it was like it wasn't wrapped or anything it was just like in our shoe closet like it just like opened the closet and it was there and i was like oh my god um and then did it have the 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 front and the back curved up because when i was six i got a skateboard and just had the tail no, it was like a real skateboard. Like <laughs> I, I, if mine was <laughs> no, because I know what you're talking about, yeah. but like that's probably like an older, like old school model or whatever. That would have been nine, 1990, probably. Yeah, so that's like gleaming the cube, like one of those old, yeah. old ass boards. Um, but yeah, this was my first real one, and that was I kept that board for a long time, and yeah, it was great. Did you ever get pissed at it and just stomp on it like no, you do in all those videos? Yeah, no, I never did because I realized that ex- <laughs> not so, you're not skateboards so rich prick yeah. from Huntington Beach. Yeah, skateboards are expensive. Yeah, um, yeah, I have a lot of Chris or birthday presents I can think of, but Christmas presents, it's like pretty much every Christmas I got something that I loved. Yeah, same. Uh, but I, nothing really stands out as much as the things I've mentioned. So. Cool. Um, uh, yeah. So before we get into our feature presentation, let's hear the elevator pitch, which we rarely do, but if we got a good one. Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> Christmas story, a child's slow descent into the violent, abusive footsteps of his father. <laughs> um, which is funny you say that because there, there are several sequels to this movie and we'll, I have notes about most of them. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the movie itself. A little bit of my personal history with the movie. You've never seen it fully before. Right. This. Tressa and I watched it, I think, maybe last year. And I watched like the first like 20 minutes of it. Yeah. There's, was there a reason why you stopped no, watching? I, that's one of those things. I was like trying to remember the reasoning as to why we didn't finish it. But it just might have been one of those things where it was like very late. And we're just like, yeah, we'll get back to it. I always was the first person up every Christmas morning. So after 97, when they started doing um, the 24-hour day, I would just turn it on because it was something to watch, which I enjoyed then, but I you know, I couldn't wake anybody up. I, I already went through my stocking, but I'm just sitting there just going, everyone wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. And you know, I think everybody woke up at like 7, but I was up at like 5 or 6 or something just watching A Christmas Story from whatever point it was at that point. Because it was kind of like movies were back in the... the 30s where you can just show up and watch the movie on loop all day if you want and if you showed up in the middle of the movie oh well uh, i probably bought the dvd once i moved out when i w- went to film school um definitely bought the blu-ray and then i got the 4k more recently and uh one of my favorite viewings of all time i used to work at ArcLight in sherman oaks and they had a, a, a showing of it and it was really fun to watch with a crowd of people, which is, you know, always the case. Uh, but especially this no, one, not always. <laughs> I'll say if it's a classic movie yeah, and the audience okay. is, you know, somewhere like arc light or, uh, new Bev, new Beverly. Thank you. Or arrow or whatever. Or Egyptian. Or even Frida, uh, more recent history. I need to go back there more. It's not too far away. Yeah. It's not like, and it's not as difficult to park. But, uh, yeah, no, just seeing people laugh at stuff that I've laughed at for years, uh, seeing parents bring their kids to see it for the first time. It was really cool. And I was like, someday I'll have my kids there. And that was like 14 years ago. So it's never too late. Yeah. I mean, there's, 
Never too late to have a little gaiety in the world. Yeah. Uh, this is based on, as I said, the works of Gene Shepard, who was a radio and TV personality. And then he became an author of books like Wanda Hick- Hickey's Night of Golden Memories and the uh, some of the stories, some of the chapters from In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash is what this is based on. This movie is based on five chapters, one from the Wanda Hickey's movie uh, or book and the there are four chapters in in god we trust i read the bb gun chapter i meant to read more of it but i was so busy over the last couple weeks but so i you know i got i know a couple things that a couple insights that actually they have references to the book that they don't like highlight that i didn't realize was was there but that's more towards the end uh, bob clark who directed this uh this isn't his first christmas movie he directed black christmas in 1974 He's also uh, the director of Porky's, which is often pointed to as the example of the classic R-rated 80s teen comedy, which definitely doesn't hold up anymore. It's super problematic. I've never seen it, but I've just heard things. I mean, the cover is a guy looking through a a hole. Yeah, peeping Tom. Yeah. And uh, he also directed the sequel to A Christmas Story, My Summer Story, which I've also seen. I remember watching that as a kid, and I didn't know that it was a sequel, but I'll also talk about that later in my notes. Unfortunately, he's also directed some of the worst movies of all time, including The Karate Dog, Baby Geniuses, and Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, which is often considered the worst movie of all time, starring John Voight. He has um, Two of them have a John Voight. predilection towards babies and geniuses. It's <laughs> interesting. Uh, we start with music, and I think no other musical track gets me in the Christmas spirit than this exact version of Deck the Halls something about hearing that um just you know puts me right in the 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 christmas spirit makes me want i don't know what i was gonna say I was gonna try you to mean make a dirty deck joke. the halls the christmas song gets you in the christmas spirit that's <laughs> interesting it makes me want to punch a wall oh, really no okay because I, I was gonna say uh i don't punch walls but <laughs> do you not like deck the halls I, mean, I don't like it or dislike it. I, I'm not like driving in my car listening to Deck the Halls. So and then you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on the other side of the freeway and yeah. <laughs> driving in oncoming traffic, exactly. Uh, like I feel with uh, no. All I Want for Christmas by Mariah yeah, Carey, and that song I love. So that's yeah. okay. Everybody has their. It's funny, is like you can't hear certain things with the filters I have on, but like, like with uh, Penelope making noises last week, I couldn't really hear it in the episode, uh, but I also couldn't hear. Um, I think uh, Tressa made a noise of me after I said, uh, I don't like this song. I think she was like, what? Yeah. Something so. like that. Yeah. She's been playing um, her Christmas playlist. Yeah. It's like the day after Thanksgiving. It's like, it's got to go. It's got to play. <laughs> I kind of feel that same way too, but I, I, I at least want to wait until the first, um, but I've watched a lot of Christmas stuff already this year. So I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, in the books, it's, ralphie as an adult and in this chapter about the the bb gun it's him looking back on his childhood so it starts off with him like at a like a flashback yeah a flashback he's he sees somebody saying something about uh guns toy guns are dangerous because then he's like oh that reminds me of you know flashback uh, and in this it, this it just starts with him as a child and we hear the narration it's funny because the guy who wrote this is it's somewhat autobiographical uh, even though the character's name is Ralph and his name is Gene, but the cinematographer in this is uh, Reginald H. Morris. He was uh, a <laughs> sounds like a fake name. It if does. I've heard one of like British royalty. 
he was a uh, Bob Clark's DP on Porky's and Black Christmas, and I don't think there's another movie that really looks like it was filmed in the night, like in it in the era that it takes place as much as this movie does, because this takes place in 1940, and as a kid, I assumed it was just another old Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings me to the question of, I mean, you've seen clips before. So when you watched it, did you, I mean, you knew going into this viewing that it was 1983. My point being is what did you think of the cinematography? I guess I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to ask, were you tricked by this movie? But I doubt you were. I was not. Um, the one thing that I noticed the most about it was the fact that it had like soft filters in mm-hmm. front of it. So like the lighting was very soft, but like the lighting sources were soft as well. Um, it's not something where it was just like a silk in front, like everything was soft. It had right. like a, like a soft sheen on it. So um, it was good. Right. Um, pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah, uh, I think the Blu-ray doesn't have a very high uh, review on Blu-ray.com, but the 4K has like a near perfect review. Uh, what did you think of the transfer? Um, it was good. It was really sharp. Again, yeah. like source material is like nothing incredible to begin with, but colors looked good. Um, the sharpness was really good on some of like those close-ups of like extreme close-ups of like the eyes or. Um, there was one shot specifically that I'm thinking of. Um, after his glasses fall in the snow, there's like mm. a rack from his glasses to like the target. And I was like, Oh, that looks really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really good transfer, especially for a movie again, probably with a tiny budget that didn't, mm-hmm. you know, it was a good transfer. Yeah. It's the reds and greens popped more than usual. I'm glad it didn't lose its, uh, feel of mm-hmm. looking like it's from the 40s yeah because that was one of my fears was that it would just they would clean it up and then make it look like it was from 1983 every once in a while you could see like a hairstyle or something you're like is that yeah. really yeah so um but they do a good job of of putting you in that era mm-hmm. especially with the uh, christmas window display that i look at that and I'm like that's all just stuff that we see like santa's elves making and then we look back from you know more modern standard we're like what kid's gonna want that unless they're like two years old yeah you know you always see these movies with uh even like the santa claus and they're making toys like that i'm just like no no video games or something but then santa delivers skateboards and video games uh that's one of the things i like about elf so much because it has them talking about making microchips and stuff like that and they make etch-a-sketches and stuff that we actually get on christmas uh, but then we get to see what the the holy grail of christmas for ralphie is it's the red rider bb gun and did you ever have a bb gun growing up no okay well i mean it makes sense because you grew up in a city well i grew up in in the in desert the so. of nowhere where you could probably get away with that yeah yeah my parents never bought me a gun my neighbors you just had happened upon one well, yeah, I mean, it's the desert, Going but dark alley, uh, we didn't have alleys in the desert, <laughs> uh, but no, we, my neighbors had like BB guns. I think they gave me one once and, um, that's about it. We didn't really have much as far as guns, uh, didn't even have like a, the paintball gun or a pellet gun, but my friends did and they, I would go paintballing with them. So I'd always just borrow a gun. 
yeah. my, I remember one story my friend uh, had an airsoft like shotgun mm-hmm. and so you have to cock it and I went to cock it and just snapped it in half oh my god <laughs> he's like come Getty's on so Rambo I'm like yeah, I'm fucking guy <laughs> yeah take uh, it easy on the bicep curls yeah well Ralphie wants to get this gun so bad he tries tricking his parents into uh, like subliminally tricking them into buying him the gun so he takes his ad from his magazine and puts it into his parents magazines and puts it like positioned right on their pillow as if it's not super obvious not just like nonchalantly on the the dresser next to them by the way their parent his parents sleep in two separate beds which is weird two of the tiny the first time i (laughs) saw it i was like wow those beds are really small for those kids and it turns out (laughs) it's for fucking adults um one thing just to go back i made a note of when he's looking at the display in the um of the gun he there's like a shot of him and his mouth is moving and it looks mm-hmm. like he's like praying to the rifle and i was like oh my god it's so freaking weird but then i saw like on the trivia and this isn't really a big piece of trivia but he's actually reading it's like what it says yeah. on the display but it looks like he's just like he's like entranced by it and he's just reading and it looks like he's praying because you can't hear what he's saying yeah the uh the display has red rider actually like with a big quote saying hey talk to your parents tell them to get this and like saying like you'll be able to protect your family from this or that uh which comes into play later and i think that's like straight from the book if i remember correctly um he fights his brother a few different times in the movie uh, one time to try to get to the dresser to get ready and then uh we go down to the the family for breakfast his dad is talking about them trading bulldog i thought at first because he talks about the socks i thought at first this took place in chicago and then I was like, okay, maybe it takes place in Cleveland because that's where um, the house, the exterior of the house was filmed. It actually takes place in a fake town of Ho- uh, Hoffman. Indiana? Right? Indiana, yeah. H-O-H-M-A-N, Indiana. Uh, Holman? Holman, maybe. Yeah. That makes more sense. Um, it's just that extra H doesn't make any sense. It's probably Isn't silent. that what they used to call you back in the day? Holman? Holman. <laughs> oh, uh, despite most of this movie being filmed in ontario canada it must be really cold up there the uh, lone ranger's nephew's horse is what i have written down because that's what the trivia question was the dad is going through this quiz in the newspaper and he has crossword puzzle right uh yeah i thought it was a crossword puzzle and then i wasn't too sure but the mom knows the answer to that and the dad's like how do you know that uh and it's like victor or something Mm -hmm. and I don't know that. I didn't know that he had a nephew. <laughs> um, and she's like, everybody knows that. He says that the uh, the puzzle could be worth $15,000 in 1940, which in 2022 is $319,298. And in 1983, it was $106,714, which is quite, yeah. It's a pretty good chunk of change, yeah. man. You can buy, buy a lot of, uh, I was going to say guns, but then, I don't know. The old man is played by Darren McGavin, who I've only ever Shooter seen. Shooter McGavin's brother. Close, because he plays another famous dad in the 90s. Do you know who he plays? No, he didn't look familiar to me. He's Billy Madison's dad. Really? Yeah. That's it, Billy. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. That's him? That's him. Wow. So we'll probably put in the clip of that. Yeah. Do you want to look up a clip? Just to... Yeah. Please, Billy, no gibberish tonight, I beg of you. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy. He was in some other movie where he was, like, 
it looks like it's like thief or something like michael mann's thief oh, really? but it's like him as this guy and i'm like it's so weird seeing him playing something serious <laughs> Shut up! that's enough billy because you took your own sweet ass time coming down here tonight uh, these gentlemen are going to miss their last flights home well this guy can stay in my room i'll tell you that much <laughs> Billy, eat your soup. It's good soup. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for coming out here this evening. Uh, please, Billy, please, no gibberish tonight, please, I beg you. Sorry, Daddy. Uh, this is a big night for me tonight, gents. I, uh, I have an important announcement to make. That's it, Billy, get the hell out of here! Ralphie has a daydream about his gun. Which uh, he's chewing tobacco in. There's some trivia on that. Oh, like literally chewing tobacco. I mean, obviously the kid's not chewing. The actor's not chewing tobacco. But <laughs> basically, <laughs> I have that he's daydreaming about the gun, but I don't think it's. Uh... Oh no, he's just daydreaming. This isn't the actual like dream, uh, because uh, he's trying to drop hints about seeing it. Somebody sees a. He says Flick sees a grizzly. Saw a grizzly bear. Words are difficult. I've been working all day. So, so have I. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he talks about how there's a grizzly bear because he's trying to drop hints. At, like, hey, we need a gun. I want a gun. And uh, everybody looks at him. Even Rand- his brother Randy's like staring at him like, what's wrong with you? Because uh, this is Indiana. I'm in a somewhat big town. I mean, they have like a parade and this big uh, department store. So it, the idea that there's a just a bear roaming down the street is kind of unrealistic mm-hmm. uh, and ralph's dad says that he wants a new furnace for christmas in the book he they go a little bit more in depth which is crazy because it's only like like 20 30 pages for just the uh the bb gun story the the other three stories or other four stories i don't remember the one from the other book but the uh the gun the tongue getting stuck to the pole uh beating up the bully and Oh, the leg lamp were the other stories in in the the book, uh, in God We Trust. Haven't read those yet, but I, I should just Jesus, that was my shoulder. <laughs> just because I uh I love this and I love Gene Shepard's writing. Uh he yeah, it goes more in depth about him being a, a furnace fighter and he calls it a clinker every time. Not that it clinks, but it it doesn't make really much sense for him to call it a clinker. But he gets excited about that. Uh, in the, I'll give credit to Confused Breakfast because they point out the idea that Dad just he's got really nothing going on in his life other than those little victories he can have of like, oh, I'm going to be able to change a tire in like two minutes, or I'm going to be able to uh, fix this furnace thing, or fight fight the furnace, or fight the the neighborhood uh, the neighbor dogs, and all that those little victories that he. Uh, he can have in his life because he's just he's just a dad now and a husband and just providing for his family at least that's how he sees it are you did we already talk about the part where he's yelling at the furnace not quite okay. uh we're almost there um so his mom asks him what he wants for christmas and he says that he wants the gun and it just kind of falls out of his mouth i could feel the christmas noose beginning to tighten maybe what happened next was inevitable Ralphie, 
What would you like for Christmas? Horrified, I heard myself blurted out. I want an official Red Rider carbon action two and two ball air rifle. Ooh. No. Shoot your eye out. Oh, no, it was the classic mother BB gun block. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. That deadly phrase uttered many times before by hundreds of mothers was not surmountable by any means known to kiddom. But such was my mania, my desire for a Red Rider carbine, that I immediately began to rebuild the dike. <laughs> I was just kidding. Even though Flick is getting one. I guess I'd just like some Tinker Toys. I couldn't believe my own ears. Tinker Toys? She never buy it. BB guns are dangerous. I don't want anybody shooting his eye out. And his mom says, the first time she says, you'll shoot your eye out, which I think is in the book twice. And the first time it said, it isn't those exact words, but they, it wasn't even in the script except for one time. And they uh, really like Bob Clark, liked the line so much that he had everybody it keep repeating like 16 it. times. Yeah. To be, become the catchphrase of the movie. And then he says, oh, I'll just, I just want some tinker toys or something, which he obviously doesn't. He's supposed to be nine in this movie, but in the, in real life, he's 12. So, uh, his brother Randy doesn't willingly eat. That's his, uh, his running gag throughout the whole movie. Well, a couple he's scenes. Got, he's got some, something going on with him. That's <laughs> fucking very strange kid. I even made a note of it. What exactly the fuck is wrong with Randy? Cause he's, <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain him, oh, but yeah. he's a very, very strange kid. See, uh, I don't want to go too in depth in, into our personal lives, but uh, I'm the oldest of my siblings. You're the youngest of your two brothers. Uh, of one, the two one brother, yeah. of you, the two, the two brothers. Uh, so I've never had brothers because I've only have two sisters. But I also can relate to uh, Ralphie sometimes. Of just like my youngest sister, it was kind of fussy with eating sometimes, mm-hmm. and, and I, she would, I'm definitely picky, very very picky here, even when I was a, a kid. Um, but yeah, so sometimes my sister would have spaghetti for breakfast because she didn't eat it for dinner. So yeah, I didn't have anything like that. And I also didn't live underneath the cupboard and no, none of that. She and, didn't do uh, laugh uncontrollably like a fucking wild animal. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that he does. It's uh, very, very strange. And I wonder if there was something special about this boy. <laughs> Maybe. Um, he has this. This is where he has his first daydream. Yeah, he's dressed in a bedazzled cowboy outfit, like you'd see in Roy. See something Roy, Roy Rogers would wear. And this is where he's chewing tobacco. Yeah, this is where he's chewing tobacco. This remind the way way he's dressed reminds me of in Back to the Future Three. Where yeah, he dresses yeah. him up. Uh, in the day, daydream, the parents overact so perfectly. I think they do, especially. I mean, both of the parents, I think, are great in this movie in general. But in these scenes where they get to just be like, oh, the mom is, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they save us which is probably what he's seen in movies around that time he'll probably go to the, you know the theater for like a nickel and see some shitty matinee or uh, not matinee but uh cereal mm-hmm. where they do stuff like this uh black bart and his gang are invading and uh he keeps uh oh he keeps listing all the guns features in the movie <laughs> of like it's got a compass in the stock and a thing that tells time which is a, a sundial which is really cool when you actually look at it. Apparently, this might be in your your um, notes. Uh, the type of gun that they wanted didn't have a compass in the stock, so they had to make it custom for them. It's not my trivia, but I did <clears throat> I did read that. Yeah. 
and uh, Black Bart's gang, they're all dressed like the Hamburglar, which is funny <laughs> because he's dressed like burglars in general from that silent era of movies, I guess. And then uh, when he kills them, they all have those X's painted on their eyes, which I thought was And he was shoots fun. all of them in the ass. <laughs> There's little sparks coming out of their yeah. ass when they get shot. Uh, his uh, father, who was just about to go to work, he comes back talking about how his uh, Oldsmobile is all frozen up, which is a company that doesn't exist anymore. Do you remember when they got rid of Oldsmobiles? Mm-hmm. Because it implies being old like a negative yeah thing or i mean look, listen to the name it's a oldsmobile <laughs> yeah for the olds but that's why they got rid of it because it has old in the name hmm. so it's interesting <laughs> yeah uh and then that's where we hear the uh the furnace exploding and the old man wanting to fight it and he cusses like yosemite sam or yeah Harry and he calls it Olin. um I, of course, had the subtitles on, and uh, one thing he says is a battled piece of jerk-off jerk trash, and then as he continues to fight with it, the other one, which is very interesting, is gollywop doctor crop dop fretten house stick and fifer. Ah, oh, blast it! In the heat of battle, my father wove a tapestry of obscenity that, as far as we know, is still hanging in space over Lake Michigan. It's implied in the movie that cussing is going on in several scenes, mm-hmm. but we never hear any actual cussing. Because this is a PG movie. Yeah, which I think is hilarious. It's like Home Alone. Yeah. Where, like I said, where Harry's going around... Like Yosemite Sam. Yeah. Frickin' jerker. They get dressed for school. Randy uh, can't put his arms down because he's so overly dressed for how cold it is. It's fucking cold here right now. Yeah. (laughs) I keep waking up to 40 degrees, 40 something degrees. And I know for most of the country, that's nothing. That's like Boston's going out weather. Like that's what he wears. Like fucking... (laughs) shorts and a a tank top well you know if he cuts his hair into the mohawk again it's gonna be cold speaking of which uh valerie i went to a titanic exhibit yesterday i kept sending pictures uh but there's a part where you can stick your hand onto this like this frozen plate sorry you could you can finish the sentence that's okay uh where it's zero degrees celsius which is 32 degrees fahrenheit the, the frozen uh how freezing level water was yeah oh it's slightly warmer by like two degrees celsius warmer so the water that they had that you could touch was two degrees warmer it was like a cold plate that you put your hand into but yeah uh it was exactly zero degrees apparently it's negative two it was negative two in the water so valerie and i competed to see who can hold their hand in the water first we both put in our left hand and she's left-handed and i survived pretty easily it hurt obviously but i survived pretty easily and then we went back a little bit later and we did it again but with our right hands and i'm right-handed and it like almost hurt immediately immediately so i wonder if it has something to do with your dominant hand mm. hurting more in the cold how long did you keep your balls in there for <laughs> I, I, I i put my balls and then i i stuck my tongue on it like in this movie um melinda dylan plays the mother and she's great do you know what else she's from i know one thing you know she's from she looked really familiar but i really yeah i couldn't well she was she was uh the mother of the the little boy in close encounters which is probably what most people know him from but the thing i'm surprised you didn't know um her from was magnolia 
she plays oh she plays the yeah, yeah. you deserve to be alone see now yeah. that you said that yeah yeah uh that surprised me that you didn't see her and go oh her because yeah, no. jason robards you saw him went oh hey yeah immediately so we need to do magnolia someday we will oh we will uh and both parents were in the crappy 1990 captain america movie hmm. with the guy with that <laughs> he he had to have rubber ears put on the costume to look like his ears are going through the costume for some reason <laughs> and then randy cries a lot yeah there's something asked uh, about that and i said i wrote down should i should ask tyler if you were an annoying younger brother yeah um let's uh maybe i can get tyler to record a voice memo about it yeah definitely try to send it to me as quick well to either of us yeah as quickly as possible um tyler well it'll be in here so i can't say it to you directly but thank you for putting that there and then alternately record sorry we couldn't get get that in time (laughs) yeah so they're heading off to school and they uh he meets up with his friends schwartz and flick which is funny because the kid who plays Flick, his last name is Schwartz. Go figure. Uh, and they, Schwartz and Flick are talking about whether or not your tongue will stick if you put it on a pole. And I think it's Schwartz's dad is the one who says it will. And Flick says that your dad's full of shit. Because it's Flick who puts his tongue in there. Oh, mm-hmm. so. And then Randy gets knocked down by some other kid. And he goes, hey, kid. And the way he says it is it's kind of kind of funny and he's stuck and he's stuck <laughs> like a like a turtle on his back mm-hmm. um they get to school everybody gets handed fake teeth by one of the, the students and uh those get taken <laughs> your brother says he needs to watch that movie i've never actually seen it <laughs> uh, did he answer the question though do you want me to say that or do you want me to just put it in the clip oh uh, okay sure oh uh, okay he says uh, he has an idea of what Randy was like. So he said, ha ha. So we'll see. Or here. The teeth get taken away. It's a fun. It, it's a little prank that, you know, some kid probably thought of. Obviously, a kid thought of in the movie. The In the world of the movie, a kid thought of it. And from 1940, because nowadays I'm looking at it going, that's a stupid prank. Yeah, it's really <laughs> fucking dumb. But we get to see, and it's also disgusting because she holds out her hand and they put all these fake teeth that have been inside their mouth into her hand. And in 1983, it wasn't even as disgusting as it is today with, you know, COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, even five years ago. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have been like thought twice about it. And, uh, we see inside her drawer of things, including Goodies. a wind up, wind up teeth that have probably been confiscated that morning because it's still moving. Uh, I think that the production designer adds a great deal to what makes this movie look so much like 1940. Uh, if you watch, like even like Star Wars, you can tell that that movie was filmed in the 70s. But with this, it's it's very very difficult to tell. And the production designer had a great big, hand. Big in hand that. in that. Yeah. Do I have the production de- designer's name written down? No, because I'm an asshole. Uh, <laughs> and that's where we get to. Well, I would say the most famous scene of the movie, but no, there's like a dozen famous scenes in this movie. But one of the most iconic scenes, which is the flagpole and the whole going back and forth of, uh, I dare you, I double dare you, I double dog, you know, and escalating that and him jumping over straight to, I triple dog dare you. And everybody freaks out. Shocked. Was, yeah. <laughs> was there anything like that as a kid that you look back on and you're like, 
I'm such an idiot for thinking that was so serious. There's yeah, there's so many things, but I, nothing comes to mind immediately. Um, but that's a Same. good question. That's a good question. Yeah, it's like the uh, the subreddit of kids are fucking stupid. Yeah. and you look at it, and you're like, why are these kids so stupid? And then you look back in your own life, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I did the same shit. <laughs> I remember there being a Hebrew National commercial. Uh, the hot dog commercial of like God. So like the, the rays of light coming through the, the clouds. clouds. Yeah. And we were outside and this is, I know it was first grade. Cause I said this in front of my first grade teacher and I looked at the sky and went, look, God's talking. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, kids are stupid. And we were kids. Uh, and he sticks his tongue on the pole. Do you know how, like how they got that uh, effect? Yeah. Done? I think I put it in the trivia. Okay. Then I won't say it. And this is our second movie in a row where Donald Faison and Zach Braff parody a scene from this scene specifically in a T-Mobile commercial because they do the whole love actually thing with yeah. the, uh, the thing. And then they do the tongue on the pole thing. And I don't know if you've seen that commercial, but the I iPhone, think I have, yeah. yeah, the iPhone Donald Faison is holding is the fakest looking iPhone ever. It looks like he's holding a, a, a JPEG. <laughs> I gotta show you <laughs> a JPEG. What do you mean? Like it looks like he has like a picture in his hand, not a phone. Like somebody superimposed just like a quick picture. Okay. Like the camera. Look at the cameras, especially. Yeah, and the the logo. Yeah. Yeah, that looks fake. That looks fake as fuck. <laughs> so they probably filmed this like six months ago before the phone came out, yeah. and they he just held an iPhone and they photoshopped the new iPhone on there, even though the iphone 11 or whatever looks exactly, exactly like the, the same, yeah. and all that um uh, the bell rings so they have to leave even though the uh flick is still stuck to the pole and that's another thing a kids are just like well the bell ring we we have to do this this is like the law as i put a note i was like it's so fucked up that all of his friends <laughs> abandoned them they're just like ah, okay it's, gotta go it's the first of like two times that ralph leaves his friends behind yeah so and it's it's obviously very very cold outside and yeah I, oh, is yeah. it snowing i think it's actually snowing but there's snow on the ground and they're yeah. fuck, you can see their breath and it's, they're all bundled up so yeah. to leave that kid outside not even to say anything to the teacher like hey he's stuck out there they just go back to normal yeah. life they were, and so they, yeah they go back into class and she's like where's flick and everybody's just like flick flick who yeah that was even the narration uh and the kids one of the kids points to the window and everybody runs except for Ralphie and Schwartz, which makes them look super, super guilty. Super guilty. And the fire department and the cops show up, and there's someone kid that keeps like saying, "Oh, they're they're here." And so Ralphie thinks that he's in deep doo doo, and they finally free flick, which they don't do it the obvious way of pouring a warm cup of water. Yeah. Like even the teacher should have just gone to. That's exactly you know, what I said. Anyways, they weren't too smart in the forties, I guess. I guess not. There's a war going on. Come on. Noel America wasn't part of it yet. So um, he comes back to class and he has bandage on his tongue, which is funny to see that kind of bandage. Like even has the little bow on it. Like you would see in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't give up his friends, which is noble of him, even though he should have. And uh, especially, <laughs> okay. Now Schwartz is the one who gets blamed for, for the fudge later. And, uh, but the teacher obviously knows who it is. And she's like standing right next to Schwartz's deck desk deck. Uh, and uh, I like when Ralphie looks around and like, yeah, wh- whoever it is, you know, and she says, I'm sure the guilty feel is the worst punishment. And both of them are like, Oh cool. We got away with it. Yeah. Which 
I yeah, that happens too. You know, I'm not I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed, which feels bad. But you're just like, oh, at least I'm I didn't get hit. Yeah, I didn't get yelled at. <laughs> this is great. Um, she wants them to write a Christmas theme, which is what which they all you know grown to. But she says that it's about what I want for Christmas, which in the book comes after Santa. Uh, but I think in the movie it works so much better that it comes before Santa. Because Santa seems like the most, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought about, I didn't think about Santa. Uh, but Ralphie thinks that his themes will convince his teacher to conv- convince his parents to get him the gun. Uh, after class, we're introduced to Scott Farkas and Grover Dill. And it's Scott. I always assumed as a kid it was Scott, as most people did. But his name is Scott. S C U T. But I'm sure everybody knows that. And he has yellow eyes. And he has red hair, just like every other bully in any other yeah. movie with teens. They have to have red hair and they have to be utterly, utterly fucking annoying. And like this kid has like the most annoying laugh ever. <laughs> and a very punchable face. That's that's why they, they hired him. Yeah, because... of course. I know. It's that's the point, but like that laugh every every teen movie or every you know whatever movie that having to do with like younger kids is like there's always a red-haired fucking yeah. bully and uh grover dill was dressed like a new york cabbie mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh were you bullied as a kid no uh i was really a little bit not not to, like i was never really beat up I was punched once or twice, but I never <laughs> once or twice. No, um, I was. Were you a bully? No, okay. I was never a bully because I was always raised to stand up for people who were being bullied to uh, stand up for like, not the little man. I That sounds stupid, but like people who are getting bullied, um, like to root for the underdog, to help people who need yeah. help. So like I had gotten in fights defending others who are getting bullied so i never bullied and i fucking hate bullying but yeah uh no i was i was never bullied luckily i know that um a lot of people especially nowadays i know it's like a really really big thing so Mm -hmm. um and then my dad was always like not that this is a good thing but uh always like stand up for yourself and you know it's like if you get into a fight at school, like there's probably a good reason for it. So like I never got in trouble. I wasn't like fighting constantly, but I did get into fights at school and never got in trouble. So that's my story. And that concludes your PSA. Too. Yes. Uh, Always beat up bullies. <laughs> yeah. I like how the scene ends with uh, them punching each other after their victorious bully session. And it gets like harder and harder mm-hmm. until one of them finally goes, ouch. Uh, we hear about the little orphan Annie decoder ring, which I didn't know what it was as a kid. I thought it was like a ring you put on your finger, mm-hmm. but I guess it's like a little two discs that slide. Like one side has 26 numbers. One side has the, uh, the 26 letters and you can turn it to whatever the code is. So like they said, B2. So that means like A is one, B is two, C is three, as, as far as I understand it. So, well, we don't get to, he doesn't get it yet, so we'll get to that scene. Uh, but he does write his theme that night, and he writes pretty much like a fifth grader. And he, he thinks he wrote a masterpiece, and he talks about how he doesn't want a football. Which, that part makes a little more sense with Santa first, when Santa's like, how about a football? And he goes, yeah, what? yeah, football, sure. 
Um, so when that comes before and he's like, yeah, football is not a good present at all. That makes a little more sense in that order, but that's the only thing I think works in that way. Uh, the old man comes home and he's happy that he won. Uh, we're introduced to the Bumpus Hounds, which were the neighbors in a few of the sequels. We actually get to see some of the family, hmm. which I'll get to, uh, but they are the bane of the old man's existence and they have like a dozen dogs. And he talks about how the uh, prize is coming tonight. And he assumes that he won't, uh, I assume that he won this from uh, the, the quiz in the, uh, or the, the crossword puzzle in uh, the newspaper. So whatever he's going to get. And he even shakes his ass at the dogs through the doorway. And one of yeah, the dogs I was curious his... if he was doing that to let them smell or to let them take a bite or... Yeah, he's like, kiss my ass, basically. Yeah. Uh, one of the dogs gets his ear stuck in the door and... Very sad. Sounds very painful. Yes, it does. Uh, but he opens up for him and he says, serves you right, you smelly buggers. And uh, he talks about how it could be a bully nelly. He's like, his wife's like, how could a bully nelly show up? He's like, maybe, maybe it's the deed. Uh, they have dinner and we see Randy playing with his food and she cl- delivers the classic line of starving people would be happy to eat that. They seem to have like the same food every single night, yes, but it looks do. delicious to me. Red maybe, cabbage and mashed not potatoes. Not the red cabbage, oh. but mashed potatoes, meatloaf. Um, maybe if there's a little gravy on it, it'd probably taste a little bit better. But <laughs> uh, And the dad says a line that my dad has said once or twice. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> I'm assuming your dad's never said that to you. No, he didn't. Yeah, my dad can be corny sometimes. Which is funny because he Even usually, when he's angry? Was that like a threat or did he say he jokingly? Would, he would say things angrier, angrily and uh, it would be difficult not to laugh because he's pissed. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> my dad's quote was, well, if we were out in public, it would just be, do you want to go to the bathroom? And then that would be mm. my cue to shut the fuck up. But I never laughed because that yeah. would just make things worse. Oh, no, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it got to the point where, like, because I was spanked as a kid. And uh, it got to a point where I pretended like it hurt more than it did once I got to a certain age. So to, that way they make would, it stop. Yeah. So they would not do it. And then eventually they were like, I don't think spankings are working with them anymore. So because <laughs> you know, I'd be like, came a loose cannon. Yeah. Because I'd be like 13 or something, you know, pretty much this tall at 13. Um the mom keeps getting uh seconds for his her family which means she hasn't had a hot meal in 15 years as he said is in the movie and uh to get randy to eat she says what do the how do the piggies eat and he eats um yeah that's when i first was like uh what is wrong with this kid because <laughs> he's like snorting and laughing uh-huh. and really enjoying like rubbing his food in his face and yeah it's just very strange very strange i know that for part of the scene where he's like laughing hysterically i think his mom is off camera making fart noises mm. so that's probably why and uh yeah i just love i think in this scene we really get to see how maternal uh melinda Dillon is and i really like it uh, and then we get a knock at the door. There's suspenseful music and everybody's like, ah, it's here. And so they go running. This is where we find out that their last name is Parker because he's, his parents are just referred to as mother and old man. And uh, it for the, I would say for 99% of the movie, it's from the kid's point of view. So that way we never, well, there are little moments where we get to see the parents without the kids, but it's mostly from their point of view. So, 
if the parents say something, it's how the kid remembers it. Um, I like how he, there's this little exchange between him and the guy delivering it where he's like, what is it? He's like, I don't know. He's like, what's in it? And he's just like, does this weird shrug thing. <laughs> uh, it's a giant wooden box, which is insane because the size of what shows up isn't that big to begin with, but it's yeah. this box that can like hold a human being inside. It looks like it could hold like a sarcophagus or something yeah. in there. <laughs> and so uh, he, they get a crowbar, which is always weird. Uh, which is weird to see because they have to actually use the crowbar to open up this wooden pallet thing. And uh, he famously calls, says that it says fragile, which he's like, Oh, it must be Italian. She's like, I think it says fragile. Also, if you notice the, uh, there's arrows pointing to which side goes up and they quickly put it on its side instead of face up, I which actually did not notice that doesn't make any sense anyway. Cause it didn't need to be that way up. It would have probably fallen out of the, the box if they opened it wrong. Um, he does open it. He goes digging through what looks like hay to try to get to it. This is before bubble wrap, I assume. And it's a leg. And Ralphie starts rubbing the leg, and Mom instantly hates it. But then we quickly find out that it's a lamp. And the father is ecstatic, and the mother is having a nervous breakdown. Uh, that's another thing with the whole like the little victories. He doesn't really care what the lamp looks like or what it is. He doesn't doesn't register with him how ugly it is just the fact that he wants something and this is his trophy uh he goes to plug it in he blows a fuse as sparks fly and there's uh, about a half a dozen plugs sharing two plugs um so he's like well there's there's too many and it's like well, we'll just need to take one out and put this one in yeah and just replace it, it. <laughs> basic math um i feel like i've we've i don't think we had like that many things plugged into the same outlet before but i feel we had a similar situation this before, you know, we had search strips and stuff mm-hmm. and you live in a house that has have, uh, the ground, the three, the third prong. Um, the kitchen does, because I guess by law in California, you, the kitchen has to have the ground ones, okay. but yeah, since my house was built, um, I think late fifties, early sixties, mm-hmm. like a lot of the outlets don't have the ground on it. Yeah. Valerie's so then you got to have adapter and yeah. Valerie's lived in a couple of places with only the two, um, where I live. It's a pretty old place, but I'm guessing it was probably built in like the seventies maybe. Mm. So, uh, then he wants to go see what it looks like from the street. Ralphie, for some reason, won't stop rubbing it. Why? Well, obvious reasons. <laughs> He's only nine though. So it's weird. 12. It makes a little more sense. And dad is directing his mom, directing his mom, directing mom to move the lamp left or right to the perfect spot. And a neighbor comes by asking about the lamp and the neighbor is played by Bob Clark. Hmm. And he's also wearing uh, a uh, Miami Dolphins hat, I guess, which they didn't, uh, weren't established until the sixties. So that's a goof. <laughs> um, apparently I read that Jack Nicholson was supposed to play that character or he was possibly going to play the dad, which would have been crazy. I'm guessing that's in your trivia. It is. Then I'll let you uh, word it better. Uh, and a crowd forms and he talks about how it's a major award. So he's pretty proud of it. Um, and that's when the little orphan Annie show is coming on and it has, he has one of the best lines in the movie where he says, only one thing can pull me away from the warm glow of electric sex gleaming in the window. And it's his Little Orphan Annie show, which 
doesn't sound like a very exciting show because like he's listening to pirates like before or later in the, the movie he's listening to little orphan annie wants to but it, they have like some pirate thing and he's like ugh, ugh, get over with the pirates i'm like that sounds way more interesting than the little orphan annie. annie yeah and uh it's just that classic sight of kids in front of the radio before we had television throughout the movie we get little transition scenes with the uh the boys being chased by the bullies and then we go back to school where it's time to turn in their themes and ralphie has a daydream at his teacher's desk uh she gives everyone an f except him and the romeo and Juliet juliet fantasy overture plays and she writes on the board a plus 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 and then she continues along the wall and uh he wakes up from his dream with a goofy look on his face and he's still standing in front of the the teacher which i feel like i didn't have that exact situation growing up as a kid but i feel like it just reminds me of doing something stupid and embarrassing in class and feeling like he just want to die uh more bullying bullies chasing uh the christmas tree shopping they go uh they're about to leave mom turns off the lamp and she's like oh we gotta save electricity just making up excuses uh when they're at the uh the, the lot picking up their christmas tree he's like ah oh, no, no needles fall off this one and then he like bangs it on the ground there's this ring of needles that fell off the tree and then like a couple lines later she mom says to the salesman this isn't one of those trees where the needles fall off i'm like we just we just talked about that like a second ago it just didn't make any sense for her to have brought that up um and again another thing for for dad to be proud of is his haggling skills which isn't a thing but i feel like i've been asked to haggle i, I can't explain it in a way that'll make sense like someone asks you to try to get a lower price and it's like yeah. the, the the price is there talk, that's what i'm gonna pay talk, talk to them and see if they will go a little bit lower like fucking why do you do it yeah maybe you can get a discount because there's a slight tear on this part of it it's like no and uh the only thing he really gets out of it is that he'll uh tie it to his, uh, throw in some rope and uh, tie it to your car mm-hmm. which isn't you know it's nothing uh on the way home they get a flat tire I will. I put a little note about them driving. Um, that that's uh, Tressa's nightmare because everyone's singing uh, Christmas carols and they're like <laughs> screaming it. And yeah, Tressa's not a fan of loud noises and really? especially kids screaming. And I was like watching this. <laughs> I was like, and I was watching it with my friends who have two kids um, that can be loud at times. And sure. um, and I was like, oh my god, this is Tressa's nightmare. And we all had a good laugh at that. <laughs> that's all i got that's your only notes that's all that's all, all i got for this episode um he, he gets the flat tire and the dad says timey because he sees himself as working in the uh, the pit at the indy 500 or whatever and he also ralph older ralph or should i say gene talks about how his dad's spare tires are completely bald which is weird to think of in general Cause it's like, what is he doing in his spare tires that they're bald? Mm-hmm. Is he just swapping out his old? Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then mom suggests that Ralphie goes help, goes and helps. Uh, you know, another one of those basic moments of childhood, especially being a boy of helping your dad with something that, you know, is a masculine thing to do. 
uh, a good um i think changing a tire is very important for oh, yeah. everyone who tries to learn it's a very important skill and it's really not as hard as no you would imagine um yeah i've changed a tire once or twice me too so haven't had to more than twice i don't know what i'm saying right now <sighs> maybe that'll be the intro uh, but what's funny is like he's all excited to help his dad and then he goes out there to help him and he ha- the dad's like what like what's going on He's like, oh, well, mom thinks uh, I should help. And he's like, oh, really? Okay. And then he's like, here, just hold the hubcap. <laughs> and he doesn't even know how to hold the hubcap, but he shows them and he just holds it so that you can put the nuts into it. And then uh, dad accidentally smacks it and the nuts go flying in the air. And for some reason, Ralphie, uh, he probably, he's probably slightly afraid of his dad. And so he says, oh, fudge. But that's not really what he said. He said the F dash 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 word. In slow motion too. Oh. Forge. Uh, Dad tries not to smile when uh, Ralphie is out of sight because he's like, "That's what I thought you said." And then he leaves, and then he goes back to Dad. And he's like, "Going, trying not to smile, like yeah," <laughs> as if he he knows he's said that word himself several times. So, um, I put Trevor can't relate to this. Oh, because growing up, you know, fuck was a, a bad word. In the sucks and crap were a bad word in my house growing mm-hmm. up. And so I just imagine you, your place. Our house was like the Osbournes. Like, you know, (laughs) everybody said those things. And then, you know, when we had like company over or something like that, my dad, I guess, didn't want to feel embarrassed by us like talking like that. So he was like, you know, mellow out. Like we, you know, we, we had a good relationship. We were all able to be like open and honest. And that's just the way we talked. And like, you know. It, it wasn't great because uh, my grandma helped my dad raise my brother and I. And we, you know, we talk like that in front of my grandma too. <laughs> and my grandma's never said a bad word in her life. I was going to ask. No, never. I would die if I ever heard that in a, in a good way, like die of laughter. Yeah. So actually anytime that she did, um, there's like a famous uh, impersonation that she would do of like, myself and my brother uh we both have especially me very short tempers when it comes to um doing like anything handy like building Mm -hmm. things putting things together and um one of my like hardest times i ever laughed was um my grandma did an impersonation of me and you know she's from argentina she has a thick Mm -hmm. accent and she's like impersonating me like putting together something from ikea and she's like it's piece of shit it's piece of shit oh my god it's like because that's exactly what i do i'm like putting something together i'm like this fucking piece of shit like um that's like i still think about that i laugh so hard at that um but yes in in our household it wasn't like hey fuck you whatever but it was like if fuck fuck came out it wasn't uh it wasn't anything you know big or surprising or anything like that it's so funny because it was the complete opposite if i said fuck in front of my parents i would have died and just that feeling of like oh oh like oh shit i'm going to die yeah (laughs) you know and that's interesting i couldn't imagine being in that kind of like situation i guess yeah and like anytime i see a little kid cussing i'm just like you're trying too hard kid yeah and it seems like that now and i'm almost positive but i guess you know hindsight is 2020 but i don't feel like looking back at myself 
it wasn't like that where we we're like oh we can cuss like what the fuck is fuck you know what i mean uh-huh. it wasn't something like that we weren't saying fuck every other word i didn't feel like that maybe it was for other people listening but i feel the same way like when i hear like 12 year olds like mm-hmm. cuss and stuff like that i'm like shut up yeah you, you haven't time. earned that yet yeah exactly even though i cussed like you know like you did at home, I did at school with yeah. my friends. Yeah, you know, uh, and it's it's still weird hearing my parents cuss like every once in a while. And I'm, like when they first started cussing, then I'm like, that's just so weird. Yeah, like, to hear that. It was, or they would cuss, and it was like, oh, we're, we're gonna die because they're pissed. Yeah. that they're cussing. Now. Yeah. So, uh, they he gets back into the car. Uh, Ralphie first gets back into the car, and mom's like, so how'd it go? And he doesn't say anything. And she's just like, okay, that was weird. And the dad gets back in the car and he's like, do you know what your son just, Oh, she first, she says like how long it took him to re- replace the tire. And it was much longer. And she's kind of proud about the fact that he took too long. And he's like, do you know what your son just said? And he's like, Randy, like telling Randy to go away, but Randy even gets closer. Yeah. And she, he whispers it in her ear and she screams and cuts to soap in the mouth, which I have gotten once or twice. Really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, not, I think it was, I think my parents like experimented with different types of discipline, which implies not like they were trying to think of the best way to hurt me, but instead the best way to turn deterrent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We did have healthy boundaries and we were punished for sure. Right. Um, well, what was, what was the big, like if you really fucked up, what was the big punishment? Because, I mean, they're, they're bigger punishments, in my opinion, than spanking. But, you know, grounding, of course. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, grounding for sure. Um, shit taken away. But, like, yeah. I don't, like, I remember, like, maybe PlayStation being taken away or something. Yeah, Um, one time like uh i remember i downloaded something on uh on the computer like the family computer this was like way way back in the day and it gave our computer a virus (laughs) and it was like completely fucked and my dad was fucking angry like he was so mad i don't remember what happened but i do remember that it was like not not great you he hit you so hard you forgot that he hit you (laughs) (laughs) no i never like i definitely got spanked but we were raised to respect elders to treat people right and you know we tried our best not that we were perfect angels we fucked up but for the most part you know we never got arrested we never yeah. got you know what i mean um so we were good kids for, for the most part i didn't do well in school so that was like the the biggest um i was lazy in school yes me too and that's what everyone all my teachers said pretty much since the beginning of my school career was like trevor would do so well if he just applied himself but i'm just very apathetic i never cared yeah i just get I'm like oh that's that's taking too long uh, that'll take too long to to do so i'm not even gonna bother with it or i'm just bored with that so i don't want to you know whatever. yes absolutely anyways and we're getting very as uh, who would have thought that this um this episode go ahead and give us some in, yeah here? insight on how we grew up you know i was talking about we can experiment with new things who knows this might be the thing that makes people go oh, this is actually really interesting to hear about these two strangers in their childhood yeah <laughs> like i give a shit about them <laughs> um so ralphie or uh, ralph the adult ralph is talking about the different types of soap that he he calls himself a connoisseur of soap and uh but the one that he's trying at that moment which is red 
he he hates, obviously. Over the years, I got to be quite a connoisseur of soap. My personal preference is for Lux, but I found palm olive had a nice piquant after-dinner flavor. Heady, but with just a touch of mellow smoothness. Life Boy, on the other hand... <laughs> you ready to tell me? All right. Where did you hear that word? Now, I had heard that word at least ten times a day from my old man. My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, a master. But I chickened out, and I blurted out the first name that came to mind. Schwartz! Oh, I see. And uh, I don't know... I don't get, I mean, I do what I don't get why he didn't just say, because I hear it from dad, because that's probably going to start a fight between mom and dad. Yeah. And that's something as a kid you want to avoid, even if it means blaming it on your friend who may or may not cuss, uh, probably does. I would say that his friends cuss, just like, you know, we we're talking about our, ourselves as kids cussing. Mm-hmm. They probably cuss too. So, but it's a huge dick move to blame it on Schwartz. Especially since when his mom calls Schwartz and tell, and he has a she has a conversation with his, uh, Schwartz's mom. He's mom like, do you know where he heard that word? And she's like, probably from his dad. It's <laughs> like that's so funny that she knows everybody knows how his uh, use of profanity, and she's like, no, he heard it from your son Mm -hmm. and then so you hear her freaking out mrs schwartz freaking out going upstairs and then beating the life out of schwartz to the point where mrs parker is like going uh maybe i shouldn't have told on him and then ralphie goes gets sent to bed without food probably oh no he has a dream about soap poisoning oh no no no. i I I was right she uh sends him to bed and off camera he's probably just walking away but her performance of just like don't you look at me that way don't you slam that door uh, is, is perfect and then she out of curiosity tastes the soap and immediately like gags gags almost throws up uh ralph is crying in bed and he has this daydream of i'm assuming that's supposed to be him like as an adult coming back even though it's still him as a kid with the the hat and the sunglasses and the little cup and the cane and his parents are like it's oh it's ralph what's going on ralph what what's wrong with you and just again beautiful overacting just a child imagining what a, these adults would do in that situation and i've definitely had those fantasies as a kid like just you watch i'll i'll end up dead because of you spanking me too hard mm-hmm. or something stupid and you know as a kid thinking that and in retrospect going oh stupid <sighs> in my notes i uh wrote this headline down of this thing i heard about in the news recently of a kid who wanted a vr headset and his mom wouldn't get it for him, so he shot and killed her. The complaint goes on to state the boy wanted a virtual reality headset, which he bought the day after his mother's death. The complaint says he apologized to his grandma for killing his mom, then asked if his Amazon package arrived. This, that's real? Yeah. Um, I'm assuming uh, this has to be in America, right? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Do you know where it was? I don't. I, I could probably look it up real quick. Nah, it's okay. It doesn't matter. We already know the answer. They're reporting live in Milwaukee. In the fantasy, Ralphie smiles and looks at the camera. It's one of the few times he does. I haven't mentioned uh, Peter's, Peter Billingsley is the actor playing young Ralphie. Uh, he used to be in commercials, one where he was Messy Marvin in a Hershey's syrup commercial. Uh, then he was in, he was also in, a, I guess, a popular TV show at the time that people knew him from. And the cast, casting director wanted to avoid picking someone so familiar to people, which, I mean, I wasn't around in 83, so I don't know. Yeah, so. And uh, after this movie, he was in a bunch of, he had a bunch of small parts on TV. And then uh, he became a producer. He produced some of his friend's uh, movies, his friend being John Favreau including Maid and Zathura and Iron Man. Uh, he's even in Iron Man as a scientist. Uh, he's in that scene with Jeff Bridges where Jeff Bridges is like, I, I just, the, the technology's right there. I want you to make it smaller. And he's like, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. And he's like, Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave <laughs> with a box of scraps. <laughs> and he says, I'm not Tony Stark. That's Peter Billingsley. Okay. Uh, which that's, a good, that's a good scene. You should put that in there. <laughs> We've explored what you've asked us, and it seems as though there's a little hiccup, actually. Um, to hiccup? Yes, to power the suit. So the technology actually doesn't exist. So it's... it's wait, it's, wait, it's, wait. The technology? William, here is the technology. I've asked you to simply make it smaller. Okay, sir, and that's what we're trying to do. But honestly, it's impossible. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave! With a box of scraps! Well, I'm sorry. I'm not Tony Stark. It is a good scene. And uh, he actually, that character comes back in Spider-Man Far From Home as uh, part of uh, Mysterio's team. Hmm. So it was really cool to see him come back. And this year he returned as Ralphie Parker again in A Christmas Story Christmas. Did you see that? I did. So I will be talking about it okay, towards the end. Great. Can't wait. Uh, we get more bullying, and uh, then we see the the kids giving Christmas presents to the teacher as they're uh, kind of the same way they're turning in their themes, and most people are just giving her apples and whatever, and Ralphie shows up with a, a fruit basket, which is like, who's buying the fruit basket? Um, and he's still, he's still got that stupid dumb, dumb grin on his look, grin on his face. Uh, more bullies, and... Uh, that's uh, he gets home and goes through his mail and p- leaves everything in the mailbox with the mailbox open except for his decoder ring so he grabs the decoder ring ring runs upstairs uh or runs inside it implies that it's like right then and there little af- little orphan annie is coming on but i guess it was probably later in the day and he writes down the secret message because he's part of the little orphan annie secret circle and uh Oh yeah, he's looking at the card that comes with it, and it's obvious that they put into a typewriter the card to type in Ralph Parker because uh, the type the the font is completely different from the rest. And he's like, "Oh, it's so official." And it's just you know somebody in some off some secretary in an office somewhere probably typed it. Uh, he gets all hyped up for the important message in the uh, the radio broadcast. It's a bunch of numbers to decode, so he runs into the bathroom to decode it because he says that's where he can get some privacy. But then almost immediately, his he brother has to <laughs> take a shit or something. And uh, so he's like banging on the door the whole time. It's like, 
I get it when you're a kid. It's like, this is super important. But at that point I'd be like, fuck. And then run out of the bathroom, let him go in and go into the room and like lock the door somehow. And then find out the message is be sure to drink your Ovaltine. And he says very anticlimactic. And the only cussing real cuss kind of cussing in the movie is him saying son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. And the way he says it is just so perfect. Son of a bitch. We see the fun transition from Ralphie sorry randy opening the toilet to mom opening the pot of red cabbage <laughs> imply her food is shit and dad is fighting with the furnace and mom plays coy and breaks the leg lamp but dad is devastated and angry and uh says that you're jealous that i won <laughs> has a fight with her and she's like what are you talking about and uh, mom, mom finally says that she thinks it was the ugliest thing she's ever seen and he accuses her of using up all the glue out of like out of spite. <laughs> you used it up on purpose. I'll just put this like the whole conversation because it's the fun little back and forth between them, uh, including at the end where uh, he's trying to think of a clever jab before leaving the room. And all he says is not a finger. Did you touch that? You were always jealous of this lamp. Jealous of a plastic Jealous. Lamp? Jealous because I won. That's ridiculous. Jealous, jealous of what? That is the ugliest lamp I have ever seen in my entire life. Now it was out. Get the glue. We're out of glue. You use up all the glue on purpose. The old man stood quivering with fury, stammering as he tried to come up with a real crusher. All he got out was, not a finger! We see him trying to repair the leg, but he's uh, still covered in soot, and uh, his repair job wasn't very good, and Mom laughs as it falls apart. But Dad And Dad apparently buried it in the backyard. R.I.P. If you watch Christmas Story 2, uh, Ralphie gets him the leg lamp again, like a second one. He's still alive? Uh, yeah well we'll get i'll, I'll get to uh, okay i don't know too much about christmas story story two but oh i thought you were talking about the no not the new one no okay this is where the bullies uh start fighting flick or start hurting flick and uh, they abandon him again schwartz and yeah it's the same two abandoning flick again uh he finds out that his grade was a c plus and it says ps you'll shoot your eye out on his theme and he imagines the teacher as the Wicked Witch of the West. And this is where we really start seeing a lot of um, Wizard of Oz imagery. Because this was 1940, the year after the Wizard of Oz came out. And uh, he... Uh, I wrote that down. And he heads home disappointed. And he gets a snowball to the face from Scott Farkas. Um, and he says to him, like, when I tell you to come here, you come here. And that's where Ralphie just unleashes hell on Scott and beats the shit out of him and does his own Yosemite Sam cussing. Mm-hmm. Which, like I said, following in the violent, abusive <laughs> footsteps of his father. Because mm-hmm. he's talking exactly like him. Mm-hmm. You fucking over damn I have since heard of people under extreme duress speaking in strange tongues. 
I became conscious that a steady torrent of obscenities and swearing of all kinds was pouring out of me as I screamed. And I like how uh, Flick, because Flick in that scene, he's like, your mom's coming because his mom shows up. And he's like, your mom's coming. He's like, and he's like freaking out. And I'm like, why is he freaking out? He's beating up a bully. And later I went, oh, because he's cussing too. So It's not polite to fight. No, it's not. At one point, like he's fighting him and then like the, the cabbie guy, he's like, hey, stop. And then um, Ralphie even pushes him down and goes back to Scott. And uh, he runs away. The, the other bully runs away. He goes, I'm telling my dad. And... Uh, it is. It does feel like a moment of triumph, despite the uh, the the violence. It's always nice to see a bully get his. Yeah, that's definitely. or get theirs. Yeah, always nice. And uh, when his mom shows up, then and stops him, then he just starts bawling, and then everybody is there seeing it happen too. So you know, it's that Back to the Future ending moment where you ever thought of running for for class president? So maybe Ralphie became super popular. Maybe. I mean, if you saw the sequels, you would know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but then Scott is there bleeding, so I think this dethroned him as a threat to mm-hmm. everybody there. Uh, at home, his mom tries to calm him down. He's afraid of what his dad's going to do when he gets home. Um, that's. I guess we don't need to really talk about that. But growing up, there, I don't know if we really had that wait till your father gets home kind of moment in our households because... Yeah, my dad could be scary, but my mom was also very scary. So, you know, she wasn't the one to pass the discipline off to my dad necessarily. But there were those moments of of fear every once in a while, mm-hmm. depending on what the situation was. Definitely. Yeah, definitely yeah. had those with my grandma. Mm. I'm saying like, oh, wait till your dad gets home. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> there, There is that uh, funny, one of my favorite lines growing up in this movie was, Daddy's going to kill Ralphie, because this is the scene where Ralphie's in the, in the Underneath little, the cupboard. Yeah. And she's she hands him some milk and goes, do you want me to close the door? And he's like, yeah. So, yeah, closes him. So, I guess in 1940, before we had, you know, electronic game, portable games and phones and all that stuff, you know, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> Go listen to the radio? that are boring pirates on right now. Yeah. Uh, dad gets home and, uh, we never, we, uh, I mentioned, uh, earlier about being from the kid's point of view. We never actually see what dad does for a living. I don't think he ever mentions it. No. Um, I mean, obviously I knew what my dad did growing up, but I actually, well, he grew, oh my gosh, actually he worked at a grocery store and, uh, we went there all the time. So we'd see him working see him, yeah. <laughs> all the time. Um, Ma, they're at dinner, the dinner table, and Ralphie's waiting for the uh, the axe to fall or the shoe to drop, whatever phrase you want to use. And the mom mentions that Ralphie was in a fight, and Dad looks a little concerned for a second, and then she quickly changes the subject, which is a sweet little moment. And he, he even mentions in the movie that like you know things changed between me and Mom after that, which is kind of weird. But at the same time, it's like yeah, you can see how loving she is she gives him like a kind of a wink and puts her arm like on his shoulder and just kind of like nodding like yeah i know yeah you've been through enough and uh so then he starts thinking again back to the main plot about his gun how's he gonna get it and that's when he realizes the big man himself santa they're gonna go see santa but first they go to a christmas parade 
and this is where I really notice the colors shining the most. Uh, Mickey Mouse is there with all the characters from The Wizard of Oz, which is funny, especially since Mickey is looks like he's six, seven feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> especially since you know we're so used to seeing those characters portrayed in the way Disney wants them to be tra- be portrayed, portrayed only i'm surprised they were able to because it's not a disney movie right no but i guess the idea is that it's a smaller town so allowed to just wear whatever i guess maybe this falls under parody which is legal they can do that i know this i was looking at the costume of mickey or at least his head and i'm like this looks kind of official because i don't know if you've ever seen what mickey mouse looks like before like 1960 in person it's, it's, scary. it's nightmare hell. fuel. It's like, very scary. From 1928 when to, to like 1960, even opening day of Disneyland, he looks terrifying. Yes. There's one video, video, one film where they dressed a monkey like Mickey Mouse. And it's a creepy looking Mickey Mouse costume to begin with. And then having a monkey controlling the costume. <laughs> <laughs> Just look that up. Like monkey dressed as Mickey Mouse from, I don't know, probably the 30s. Uh, like I said, more Wizard of Oz and Ralphie's too anxious to get to Santa. His dad uh, tells him to shut up at one point, which I've been told to shut up by my grandfather. That's what it reminds me of is being told to shut up by my grandfather, uh, my mom's dad. And uh, I backtalked my mom in front of him once and I got smacked. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. <laughs> We're not condoning the idea of hitting kids. No. I was actually like 20 years ago, very pro spanking. But now I think about the idea. If I ever have kids, I can't imagine hitting them at all. Even a slap on the wrist. Um, You'd rather just put soap in their mouth? <laughs> I'm not saying I would do that no, either. Just uh, soap poisoning. Well, nowadays with what soap is, it's all natural stuff. So it probably tastes pretty good. Mm, I, I sincerely doubt that. <laughs> it's called a joke. Oh, okay. It's good. I thought they were supposed Coconut to be oil. funny. <laughs> turning me down <laughs> turning, me, turning me off that's good. Uh, they go inside higby's which is another one of those giant department stores like i mentioned last week where it looks like an entire mall inside one department store i guess this is just what department stores look like outside of california because i really don't have much reference for it um they see the line for santa and they're like oh it's not so long and so then he gets in line and he's like at the bottom of the staircase up to the slide where Santa, at the top of the slide where Santa is. And then we hear a voice saying, Hey kid, kid, the line starts here. It ends there. Uh, or it says it the other way around. Uh, that person is Gene Shepard, the uh, narrator, which is funny. Cause when you listen to him, you're like, I can kind of hear it. I can't. Yeah. I but if, that. yeah. So that's Gene Shepard. Young man. Hey kid. Just where do you think you're going? the line ends here it begins there the entire time they're waiting for santa you can hear santa yelling ho 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 in the distance kids screaming christmas music blasting on like old speakers and cash registers which i think is all intentional it's all actually meant i i I wrote that note down and then read the part of the book it is intentional because it says all those things in the book like you can hear Santa in the distance and the music playing and the cash registers. So it's that idea of, you know, expectation versus reality of this is what Christmas actually is, at least in the department store. Yeah, they're playing the music. They have the decorations. You hear Santa, but you also hear the cha-ching sound of mm-hmm. money and, you know, kids 
consumerism. Yeah, consumerism. Kids screaming, even though you, you would think that they'd be happy, but they're not. And they're in line with the that the line is insanely long. And uh, they're talk about a kid who's special. <laughs> that kid they pulled off the street with the aviator goggles and things oh, like. Oh yeah, yeah. I like Santa. <laughs> I thought that I was like, like one of his friend. At, one of his friends at first. Yeah. It, yeah, it kind of looks like Flick or yeah, something, but does. yeah, I think growing up I thought it might have been Flick, but I was like, no, this kid's, there's something up with this kid. Yeah. And he might he have really probably been like is that. closely related to, um, what's his, his cousin? Name? No, his brother, <laughs> um, Ralphie's brother, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cut from the same cloth. And, uh, more Wizard of Oz characters is just Roman. It's like the characters from the parade have gone inside the department store and, uh, Ralphie's too focused. Like the the Wicked Witch of the West tries to like, hey, I'm you know whatever, and uh, he's not. He's like, no, sorry, I, I gotta focus because he has to. He has to make sure he words everything correctly when he's talking to Santa. And this reminds me of going to like Midsummer Scream or uh, Season Screaming, where they'll have people dressed up. I think they're people that are usually at like not scary farm or, or whatever mm-hmm. and they'll dress up and they're called scare actors mm-hmm. and it reminds me of that. And I fucking hate that when people come up to me and they're just trying to be like, Oh, like, Hey, aren't I cool? Aren't I scary? And it's like, okay, nerd, calm down. <laughs> Cause you can tell her the, the one specifically, we just lost all our viewership. Um, Cause they're all scare actors that listen to us. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of the the Wizard of Oz characters coming up going, hey, pay attention to me. It's like, no, I'm good. Uh, Santa talks about how he's not working till nine. That's one of those, or past nine, that's one of those moments where we see outside of the kid's point of view where Santa says to one of the elves, you think he thinks I'm working one minute past nine, he can kiss my foot. <laughs> the kids uh, get thrown down the slide after they're done talking to Santa. The special kids like start screaming immediately, which most kids do. I think even Randy too as soon as he gets put on santa's lap and they're very forceful about it it is past nine at this point so they're like come on we need to hurry up Mm -hmm. store is closing but like one elf grabs his top half and the other kid the other elf grabs his bottom half and just flings him onto santa's lap uh in the book santa isn't so disgruntled uh, but they barely have him. He's just, it's completely from Ralphie's point of view of just like, what do you want, little boy? And maybe even, to, oh, where are you from? And in the same thing happens in the uh, the book as it does in the movie where when Ra- Ralphie finally gets up there, he's just like, uh, uh, he's like, how about, I, I don't care, I can't remember what he says. It's not a football. It's some kind of toy from the 30s that was popular, but I don't remember what it's called that he says in the book versus what he's instead of a football or no, I think he says football too, which is why it's referenced later with the theme. But the same thing happens where he's just freezes. And I love that uh, Gene or older Ralph says, wake up stupid. Like the way he says stupid is I think funny. You obviously don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> he stops himself uh, cause he's about to be, push down the slide but he stops himself and he climbs back up and he says that uh what he wants and then he has that big smile on his face and the big smile that he makes has been reused for a christmas story uh products including dvd and blu-ray covers for the past 30 40 years yeah because it's that that one 
image of just like the big stupid smile. Um, and then of course Santa says that uh, you'll shoot Trey out. And strike three. You're out. Yep. He goes down the slide, completely defeated. Mom and dad show up with uh, the Wizard of Oz characters again. And it does feel like they're, you know, it's like the end of the yellow brick road. They're skipping happy and everything. So they pick up their kids who are still at the bottom of the slide, just completely deflated. And uh, I like that there's this little moment between dad and Ralphie where he goes, uh, so did you tell him what you want? And he's like, yeah. Did he ask if you were a good boy or not? And he's like, no. He's like, don't worry. He knows. He knows. And there's that little kind of hint of like, you may not realize it, but your dad knows what you want. Yeah. We think as kids that our parents aren't, don't know our world. But then when you become an adult, you're like, yeah, of course. Like, cause I lived what you lived. So I know what you're I'm going through. Clueless, I know what you're thinking. Yeah. yeah. I was a kid once. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. The first time we ever say something like that. I was a kid once. <laughs> Can't pull the wool over my eyes. Uh, they're back home. They're decorating their Christmas tree. And, uh, we get a hint that dad might be colorblind and he's like, I'm not colorblind. Cause he was like, confuses the red and the green lights. Um, of course I have no idea if he was right or if mom was right. Uh, he blows a fuse and that's another thing that he takes pride on is replacing the fuse. And he says the star is crooked and he, uh, fixes it, but doesn't fix it. Cause it's even more crooked afterwards. And it's also Christmas Eve. That's the one thing. I don't know if this is, you can email at us, uh, cinephiliapod at gmail.com when did you set up your christmas tree usually because <laughs> in movies it always seems like they set them up on christmas the Eve. day before yeah and it's like for two days like Waste. what's the point like do you remember oh first of all did you have a christmas tree growing up yes okay i was not that deprived okay good yes. uh, and it was a real one we we got a fake always. one later in, in always real my childhood which sucked but yeah, no, we always had one, but I just remember being at least a couple weeks. But it was close enough to where it was like, yeah, usually like, holy shit, it's Christmas. Probably, I would say like around the very, very beginning of December. Yeah, we got this one this year, uh, pretty much right after Thanksgiving. I oh. think it's like the earliest that we've gotten it before. It's crazy. I don't smell it. Yeah, I don't smell it now either. But when we first got it, I was like, wow, it's so strong. It smells amazing. That's one of the defining mm-hmm. you know reasons for why we get a regular tree so i just have bath and body works candles because i live in a room by myself <laughs> that's, that's really fucking i live in a room by myself down by the river in my van down by the river um uh, then they talk uh, uh the parents saying oh i i think i heard santa fly over I, I hope he didn't pass her house because two little boys need to be uh in bed and so they fight to get back upstairs to bed um and then that's another point, another part where we see the parents outside of the kid's point of view where they go, okay, let's go get the presents. And I don't know for you what it was like trying to go to sleep uh, as a kid on Christmas Eve, but I, I couldn't sleep like at all. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. I did what you did, like, like woke up at five or whatever, yeah. but it was like very... Um, very restless sleep like i couldn't sleep you yeah. know because i was like oh i'm so excited I'm so excited what am i gonna get i can't wait to open up because usually what we did was the 24th was like uh my grandma we would you know we would have presents with my grandma and my grandpa and then christmas 
day was like my dad and that's when we got the big shit like the good stuff yeah. like not that my grandma didn't give me good stuff but like <laughs> a playstation or a bike or something like that you know what i mean yeah um so yeah christmas day was always like really hard to like well i guess christmas eve night going into christmas day was always like really hard to fall asleep mm-hmm. uh yeah i think uh, yeah my grandfather would spend the night my the same one my maternal grandfather and uh, i think he would always take my bed so i'd have to sleep with my sisters uh i i don't know why i'm thinking of ghostbusters i remember watching ghostbusters one night before going to bed uh on christmas eve but i had a point to make and i can't remember what it is so i'm fishing for times um i wrote down my story of when i realized that santa wasn't real Sorry, spoilers, kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure kids. plenty of plenty of kids are going to be listening to this Cause uh, I'm like, podcast. Because I'm like, he's like, this is before I found out his official age was nine. But I'm like, 12 years old? Like, you still believe in Santa? Really? Uh, I don't know. This That's weird. But I guess he's nine. And it makes a little bit more sense because it is 1940. Because nowadays, if a kid beyond the age of seven believes in Santa, it's kind of weird. Um, but... I guess I should, the qu- first question I should ask is, did you believe in Santa ever? <laughs> Without dissolution, you've been with so many things. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I believe there was a point, and I think I realized it was very, very young. But one time, I think I woke up in the middle of the night, and my dad like had um, something in his hand, maybe a bike or a present or something. And then I was like, what? And he's like, go to bed. And I was like, okay. And then <laughs> after that point, I was like, wow, oh, I guess there's no Santa Claus. Like my dad bought yeah. these presents and it all just like, you know, it just made so much sense. <laughs> it reminded me of this like joke in uh, one of the episodes of mystery science theater 3000. I think it's the Santa Claus conquers the Martians and uh, Santa in the actual movie says, well, we've never disappointed the kids yet. Except for the poor ones. <laughs> of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember believing in Santa. I don't know when I stopped believing. Being the oldest, I didn't have like an older sibling who found out first. And then, you know. Yeah, I don't know Tyler's side of that. Maybe you can ask him to um, ask him that same question because yeah. I'd like to hear the answer. I don't know when he figured it out. It's probably like, I don't I don't she I don't, was there. I don't know, man. Uh yeah, it was uh I don't I don't know. She <laughs> she was there though. <laughs> We're so mean Tyler. I love him, obviously. Obviously. Basically. Uh hmm. no, I, I think it was probably around eight at latest, and I asked my mom, is Santa real? And she goes, What do you think? Like she didn't want to be the one to right, say no. To ruin it for you. But at the same time, she didn't want to be like, let's continue the lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said to me, well, what do you think? And I said, no. But it wasn't like I got worse presents or something. Yeah, right. It was always them. But I, I think I remember keeping the secret from my for sisters. Yeah. So, That's yeah. nice of you. Yeah. It was a nice older brother. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is 1940. So they probably believed in santa a little longer because there's a lot of things you can believe in if you don't have ready access to information the way we do today right we wakes up the next morning christmas morning which is always that moment as a kid of just like oh, yeah it's morning okay cool 
oh shit it's christmas like that realization that you make of like the greatest day ever is here you know like he says in the movie it's the the day that the entire kid year revolves around unless you're jewish so then uh, him and randy yeah him and randy runs down run downstairs and they look at all the presents randy keeps pointing at everything going and that's mine oh this is mine and uh yeah this kid does seem a little extra weird uh he even does that hey thing again like he did to the other kid who pushed him down because uh, ralphie is searching for his gun for a gun-shaped present uh dad and mom come downstairs mom's pretty excited but dad is just like oh which i definitely understood like you know once i got to my 20s because i think i was i moved out when i was like 22 23 so i was you know still woke, woke up christmas morning later than seven or whatever or time five. it was yeah we got to a point where we were just, we were just all just like yeah we'll, we'll get up at like nine or ten <laughs> because we're mostly adults now um, they talk, they have this little their tradition is you call it playing Santa which I don't quite understand uh, we kind of did the same thing we we would go around well they, they did it differently in this so Ralphie's like handing out presents and then it has just this montage of them tearing into all the presents growing up it was okay now you open a present. So they open a present. We'd film it. I remember one Christmas we got a uh, VHS camcorder. So it wasn't for me. It was for my parents, but I made, you know, some of my first movies with that. So mm-hmm. that was always cool and pirated some movies <laughs> with it too. Cause suck up the VCR to the, or the camera to the VCR. I played on there. And that's when I found out with like return of the Jedi special edition. There's something in there to prevent you from uh, doing yeah. that. Yeah. Copyright protection. Um, yeah, so I don't know how you did it growing up with opening presents. If it was just everybody dive in or if there was an order to it. No, I think we usually took turns. Yeah. I think we still do it. We definitely still do that to this day. And it makes it last longer, so yeah. it's a little more fun. Exactly. It's not over in 10 seconds. Yeah. Randy gets a Zeppelin. Um, and uh, What a cool, exciting toy. Yeah. Well, in 1940 it was. Sure. Dad gets a can of Simon Eyes. Now, in the book, both of these are from Randy. I don't know how... He does talk about getting an allowance. And so he bought his brother the Zeppelin. And in the book, he's even stranger because his brother says, Oh, wow, a Zeppelin. And he throws it up and it slams into the tree. And he's like, it's not a real Zeppelin, stupid. (laughs) There's wheels on it. Uh, And then so his dad is very proud of getting the Simonized because it means he gets to go wax his car. Make it look even nicer. Um I don't remember what he gets his mom. He gets the infamous bunny pajamas in this movie from his Aunt Claire, who thinks he's four and a girl. And his mom is a, a bit deluded because she's like, uh, she makes him try it on. So I'm guessing this is his her sister that got that made this. Uh, but in the book, they're just slippers. So it's not as bad, but still. Uh, mom drops a, a blue bowling ball on dad's balls. <laughs> And he even does a joke of like, thanks, which is kind of in reference to uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. And also a reference to him wanting a bowling alley earlier. So he doesn't get the bowling alley, but he just gets the bowling ball. And it's a blue ball. On the balls. <laughs> On the balls. Uh, Ralphie wears the uh, bunny pajamas and his mom loves it. Randy's laughing his ass off and his dad wants him to take it off. Probably not necessarily like anything homophobic, but just that idea of like, it's pink. It's disgusting. He calls it a, a pink nightmare or whatever. 
uh and his dad's just like make him take it off like you don't you look how unhappy he is you want to take it off don't you yeah um randy falls asleep with the zeppelin and uh dad dad offers randy some wine but not really um we see a frankenstein mask in the background apparently that's ralphie's and randy got that for him again i don't know how and when because we saw all the shopping happening while they were in line for uh, Santa. Um, trying to think if there's anything else from the book. But it's just the crazy detail of having that Frankenstein mask in the movie. Where it was only really referenced in the book. And they don't even mention it in the movie. Other than I, showing yeah, it. I didn't even notice it. So dad asks him if he had a good Christmas. And he's like, eh, it was pretty good. In the book he also says, you know. Yeah, I didn't get that present. But it, yeah, it was a pretty good Christmas. I got some really cool things. And you know, it was fun. And uh, his dad's like, well, there's always next year. Did you have a nice Christmas? Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, did you get everything you wanted? Mm, almost. Almost, huh? Mm. Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, there's always next Christmas. Yeah. Mm. Hey, that's funny. What's that over there behind the desk? Where? Behind the desk against the wall over there. I like uh, Darren McGavin, especially in this moment of just like being being very much like a dad. Like this feels like a really realistic portrayal or portrait of a father. But then he does the thing that has happened to me once or twice of like, hey, what's that back there of uh, of a present or, oh, yeah, I forgot that one. That's my parents thing was, oh, wait, we forgot one thing. Hmm. And that was the like the Nintendo 64 thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes behind the desk looking for the present, and it's not gun-shaped, but it's the, the shape it's of the box. a very long box, yeah. And even Mom doesn't know what, what it is. And it's exactly what Ralphie wanted, an official Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and then a thing that tells time. And the old man is also very happy that Ralphie has this because he's not, I want to say, living vicariously through his son, but just seeing he one of the joys of being a parent, I assume is getting to make your kid that happy. And I can, and the probably, this is probably the best acting least by um, McGavin in the movie of him reacting to his son reacting. He's Trevor shaking his head. Yes. For, for those of you who don't know, cause you yeah. can't hear his head, <laughs> but his mom of course is still, uh, very nervous about the idea even though she looks at her husband reacting so it's her reacting to him reacting to him reacting which i think is really cool uh we can see the turkey is uh already in the oven even though it's like time for breakfast and it looks like it's nearly done which is really weird uh it is cool to see christmas dinner on christmas because in most movies it's christmas eve that they have the christmas dinner mm-hmm. i don't know what your tradition was ours was christmas night for dinner mm, no ours is generally christmas eve oh yeah in the book they have christmas wrapping unwrapping on christmas eve so when he gets his rifle and his mom says uh, in the movie you can go uh, go outside just put on you know shoes boots or whatever and get ready in the book it's the night before so he has to go to sleep and then wake up the next morning in order to Mm. to uh, have this next scene 
he sets up one of the targets that comes with the the uh, the rifle and they build it up and he's imagining that he's uh gonna shoot black bart and i should just say bart <laughs> it sounds wrong but uh, it ricochets off and smacks him in the cheek which makes him flinch and his glasses fall um we keep cutting back and forth between that and mom setting up for dinner for some reason dad really wants to eat the partially cooked turkey which i don't quite understand i think he's just obsessed with turkey yeah it's just you know but uh, just be a little patient that's so gross <laughs> maybe because yeah. i'm so paranoid about such things yeah so he comes up with a fake ralph comes up with a fake story of uh what happened like an icicle fell and it hurt hit his cheek and knocked out or knocked his glasses off his face and so they uh he she his mom takes him upstairs and starts cleaning him and she's like oh my god he's like oh my gosh i got away with it and he even smiles at the camera and breaks the fourth wall and then the bumpus hounds come in and destroy christmas dinner uh because ralphie left the door open and uh there's a you can see a little hole in the fence and mom cries and ralphie hands her a towel the towel that he was using for his face yeah originally and uh the dad says that he's they're going out for dinner uh then we go to bowling which looks like it was say it would say bowling but like the w was out yeah but then if you look at the sign on the door it says bowling chow chop suey palace company (laughs) probably because this was the only thing that was open on christmas day day so there's a scene while they're waiting for their food where the waiters are singing Christmas carols, but they're Chinese. And so I'm like going, is this racist now? Is this problematic yes. now? Yes, it is. But they're Chinese doing it. But uh, not yeah. all Chinese people sound like that when they're singing. It's a very, <laughs> it's a racial stereotype. Sure. And they're finding it funny if they were just like enjoying them singing, like, oh, that's very nice, but they're laughing at no. them. So uh the the owner or their boss at least says like okay that's enough 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 uh laughing go go get uh go get the food so they go and uh they bring out a a duck with his head still on and i there's trivia here in the scene i don't know if you have trivia um i read it um let me see about the mom no uh apparently miranda dillon wasn't she wasn't aware aware and you can tell with her reaction she like hides in the child and she's like trying to stifle her laugh it's funny to see because i I read that and i saw that and i was like oh yeah that's good yeah and uh so the dad says it's smiling at me and so they cut off the head which she also freaks out about and uh, ralph calls it chinese turkey which might also be racist but i didn't write it (laughs) and then we see our last scene where the old man and mom are watching the snowfall, uh, which is a really beautiful scene. And Ralph is upstairs sleeping with his gun, which can't be too safe. Yep. And we roll credits. And I don't have anything written down for my my review of it. But uh, so would I recommend this movie? Well, obviously, of course, because I brought it in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... I think this might be my favorite Christmas movie. It's up there with like Home Alone and Christmas Vacation. I think those are my top three movies. Uh, I also love Christmas Carol, but it's kind of tough to 
cho- well, to choose which one specifically. I think the vote is kind of spread across all the different versions of that, but that's all their thing. It's kind of like I mentioned with the uh, the version of Deck the Halls at the beginning of this movie, where it just kind of instantly puts me in the Christmas spirit. Uh, it's kind of like as soon as this movie's on, I, I have outside of watching this movie or even really like giving it serious thought, I go, yeah, you know, that's a little corny. Yeah, we've seen it a million times. Maybe it's a little overrated. I start thinking of all the negative stuff, but as soon as the movie goes I was going to say in, like it's a, well, I guess the disc goes into the disc disc drive, but I was thinking of, uh, you know, the VHS, VHS, which I have VHS of this and it would be a fun way to watch it. But, uh, as soon as the movie is on, I'm teleported back to not only the nostalgia of watching the movie, but obviously through our conversation with this episode of just my childhood in general, I think this movie captures, what it's like to be a kid on Christmas perfectly. It's one of those perfect things of, yeah, it takes place in a different time from when I grew up, but it represents growing up so perfectly and so broadly that it doesn't matter what era it is. It's like one of my favorite shows is that 70s show. I didn't grow up in the seventies, but it does feel like I'm hanging out with friends. It does remind me of, you know, hanging out with friends at a young age. Same thing with this. This Chilling, reminds me of smoking weed, <laughs> getting yelled at by your dad. <laughs> um, which <clears throat> that's coming back that 90s show. Um, again, a whole other thing, but yeah, nothing, nothing represents being a kid on Christmas better than a Christmas story. And I'm going to give this a 9.2. okay not a 9.5 9.2 I thought about 9.5 I thought about a 9 I thought about a 9.3 but I think I gave several movies in a row like 0.3 but that shouldn't matter and get oddly specific like me (laughs) no 9.2 just feels about right for me so would you recommend this movie sure (laughs) if you're if you're into Christmas movies um, if you're Let's put it this way. If you're extremely into Christmas movies, then I will say, yes, you should watch it. However. However, let's talk about my thoughts on the movie. Please. Over the years, I've heard and seen so much about this movie. And from what I saw, I never really could understand what was so endearing to people about the movie. After finally watching it, I can definitely say that I really don't understand what's so endearing to people about this movie. It's a really strange movie to me, and sadly, I'm sure it's an accurate representation of life in the old days where kids slept with their guns, laughed at racist jokes, and doled out borderline abusive punishment to their kids. Again, I think this movie's high regard is a case of nostalgia for some people, as you mentioned. Sure. Um, But seeing it fresh really did nothing for me. I didn't really laugh. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to in certain parts. Um, All the characters in the movie are very strange in one way or another. Uh, I didn't really feel any way for any one of them. Um, it like with the whole the the crux of the film is this kid trying to get the rifle and he gets the right. rifle and I'm like okay cool. Um, I didn't have any real connection to the characters despite what it sounds like. I really didn't hate the movie, but I definitely don't hold this in the same high regard as a lot of people. Yes, it's a good Christmas movie. Uh, I don't see. You know, it's not going to be a movie where, oh, I need to see that again. Or, hey, this, 
I can understand totally what you're saying about like it putting you into like the Christmas mm-hmm. mood. Um, I think for me, like Home Alone does that for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, it was just kind of like right in the middle. So my overall score for the movie was a five point one two out of ten. Again, I didn't hate it. It just didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something I was like oh wow and then like everything that happens in the movie like i've heard it like a million times and i'm like borderline annoyed by it but like the whole you'll oh, shoot, yeah. you shoot your eye out thing and then that's what i feel about sound of music oh, where really? i've heard those songs so many goddamn times where i watch the movie and i'm like i don't get it i fucking love the sound of music yeah there but, you go but that's okay um so yeah it's um yeah it was okay i'll just put it that way five is like right in the middle I kind of had a feeling that that was probably going to be your response, and I'm more than fine with that. If even if I was expecting it, hoping it would be higher, which of course I any movie I bring you say it up, that as a tear is rolling down <laughs> your cheek, <laughs> like in that uh, old commercial of uh, someone throwing uh, litter out of oh, their car, yeah. and the Native American who's not played by a Native American, yeah, the tear down his cheek, yes, um, which I get. I think. I wonder, because you were talking and you, you're like, I don't get it. Kids are acting a little weird. I wonder if... It's not the kids. Like, everybody's weird. Like, the dad yeah. is very weird. Even the mom is strange in certain ways. Like, everyone in the movie, like, no one is played, like, straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if you were to watch it again. And no, I'm not going to make you watch it again. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I wonder if you were to watch it, it at any point, but seeing it as a this isn't what really happened, but this is an adult remembering it as a, from a kid's point of view, from himself as a, a kid point of view. Mm-hmm. So the odd things are not as odd because it's from a, a, per, a distorted perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Well, just I wonder if his brother's that fucking weird in real life or, <laughs> well, he's just imagining it. His brother is in the sequel. Speaking of sequels, is um, it actually him. It's actually the same actor in the newest one, but before... No, 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 but the brother in part two or the sequel or whatever. It's the same actor. It's Randy. Really? Yeah. So, uh, which is super weird, but I'll get to that. I want to talk about the character of Ralph or Ralphie has been in a lot of Gene Shepard projects. Uh, Before Christmas Story, there was The Phantom of the Open Hearth, uh, where it's about a teenage Ralphie going to junior prom. In 1982, there was an episode of American Playhouse uh, called The Great American Fourth of July, where Matt Dillon played Ralph. Hmm. Uh, obviously, this came out in 83. So after uh, Christmas Story, in the mid-80s, there was Ollie Hop, Hop Noodle's Haven of Bliss, where they go, it's kind of like National Lampoon's Vacation, where they're trying to get to this amusement park and crazy shit happens along the way and jerry o'connell plays ralphie at age 14 then in the 90s there was my summer story i remember renting this uh i remember being called my summer story but i think there's a different name for it uh alternate title which i didn't write down where ralphie is played by karen culkin and the old man's played by uh, charles groden and mom is played by mary steen burgeon and uh I do remember liking this as a kid. His obsession in this one is uh, a top. Like there's like a competition, kind of like Beyblades, but tops from back in like the 40s, I guess, <laughs> which I actually had one of those too, where you put this like string on the top and then you like wrap the string around it and then you have to like fling it just right so it'll spin and then they'd actually battle each other. I guess 
back in the day they were made of like you would make them yourself out of clay so then when they hit each other they would actually like break shatter yeah hmm. uh yeah and we see a lot more of the the bulpuses but bupuses i forget the name of the neighbors the hillbilly neighbors bump, the bump one kiss or something, something like that um uh, and both all the ones that i've mentioned so far were narrated by gene shepherd hmm. uh who passed away in the 90s in 1999 unfortunately and then we got the straight to video or uh, the first the ollie hop hopper noodle whatever the fuck it's called that was a straight to uh tv movie the my summer story was an actual theatrical released movie which didn't do too well but warner premiere or whatever in like what was it 2012 10 years ago decided to release a official sequel which was christmas story 2 where he's trying to get a car and he also likes this girl and they just basically repeat all the same stupid jokes flick gets his mouth stuck in something um he has weird fantasies hmm. some As not appropriate for that's weird some not appropriate for for children one that they don't show what he's actually thinking of but they just imply things and it's horrible and i don't know the actor who plays ralphie um but the dad is played by uh daniel stern oh who this even though this is a sequel now he's in high school daniel stern is younger, younger. in that yeah. than um, darren mcgavin was in 1983 but oh there was also a christmas story live in uh, 2017 which was based on the stage musical i started watching it and then for some reason stopped uh, not because I didn't like it, but because I had something else I needed to do. But the one I saw, the one that came out this year was a Christmas story Christmas. Uh, again, all these are based on Gene Shepard's work. I haven't read any of the uh, stories that might have inspired this. Uh, Peter Billingsley comes back as Ralphie, which is strange because I think he's really good in both movies. Uh, so it's weird that he doesn't do much acting. Uh, but he's produced some pretty great movies, so I guess I can't be too upset. Uh, but he does sound a lot like Gene Shepard, because hmm. he narrates the movie, which makes sense. If revenge is a dish best served cold, this was a frozen dinner. There's no way I'm going to kill myself for this. Is crazy. Hey, Schwartz, I triple dog dare ya. Oh, if Schwartz backed down now, he could never show his face in Flick's Tavern, or perhaps even in Homan, ever again. Uh, Mom is played by Julie Haggerty, which I like her, but I don't think she's a great fit for for that. Um, i trying to think of what movie she's in that you would know. I don't know if you've seen What About Bob. Mm, no. What was it that Julie Haggerty was in? Damn, I'll think of it later. And be like, oh, yeah. But yeah, she doesn't. She's not a good substitute for uh, Miranda Dillon because I guess she retired like 15 years ago or something. So they, she didn't return. Miranda Dillon is a lot more subtle than Julie Haggerty. So she's she's a little too zany. The plot, not to spoil too much. The I'm not going to watch it. So well, not not just for you, for people <laughs> who listen. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I know you're not going to watch it, and I don't blame you. I only watched it so that way I could talk about it in this episode. Because I was going to avoid it, and then I saw a couple clips. I was like, okay, that doesn't look too bad. Uh, The normal Christmas tradition is Ralph and his family. He's married and has two kids. 
they the tradition is their his parents visit them in Chicago and they have Christmas in their little apartment, which is kind of weird. Uh, but they find out that the old man has passed away. And in the movie, they talk about how much the old man loved Christmas. And it's like, but did he though? Was that really established before? Cause he, not really. Um, they do repeat, repeat a lot of the same tropes. A lot of the original actors come back, which makes me sad that Miranda Dillon didn't come back. Um, cause Darren McGavin passed away. Like, probably around the same time Miranda Dillon retired and uh, it's so yeah, Schwartz and flick are back. Scott Farkas is back. Spoilers. Um, and yeah, like I said, Randy is back. The same actor who played him in 1983. Uh, he's yeah, he's a little weird, but he seems to be a halfway decent human being or normal person. Uh, and the movies I'll say halfway decent. Okay. I'd probably give it a higher score than you gave the, the first one, but that's okay. So if you're curious to see what happens next with Ralphie Parker, that's probably the one to watch or my summer story. Or I actually heard that Ollie hop noodle or whatever is decent too, but I'm probably never going to watch that. So let's go on to trivia. <clears throat> okay. Okay. I want to see what this kid looks like now. <laughs> a little weaselly. Does a brother have like a like a pompadour? He might. Um I don't think his picture's in on IMDB. Okay. He's Randy. Whatever. We'll go on to the three of you. This girl, his wife looks like Mandy Moore. Oh, in the movie. Yeah. Ralphie. Okay. So according to director Bob Clark, Jack Nicholson was given the script and was very much interested in the role of Mr. Parker, the old man. However, Clark didn't learn of this until later, and the studio didn't want to pay Nicholson's fee anyway, which would have doubled the budget. Regardless, Clark said that Darren McGavin was still the better choice and was born to play the role. I couldn't imagine Jack Nicholson doing this one. Especially three years after The Shining? Yeah. Yeah. I want to stay here forever and ever. Uh, Peter Billingsley, at the age of 12, was given real chewing tobacco by the prop manager for a scene when Ralphie is dreaming of being a sheriff confronting Black Bart. Afterwards, he got sick for an hour on the set. They thought it was a better idea to give him raisins to chew and make brown spit instead of real chewing tobacco. You don't fucking say that giving a child real chewing tobacco isn't a great idea. Didn't he watch The Sandlot, which came out 10 years after this? Yeah. Dumbass. Gives you tons of energy. A behind-the-scenes documentary called the, called the Road Trip for Ralphie follows two mega fans on a two-year quest to locate and visit every location used in the movie. Along the way, they uncover Mrs. Shields' chalkboard from a dumpster, discover all the movie's costumes hidden in a Toronto warehouse, track down the antique fire truck scene in the movie, and visit the forgotten location of the actual Chop Suey Palace. Hmm. Which I'm guessing was in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah, or it doesn't say, but... Um, you already mentioned this one. This one was, I had to make sure that I was reading it for the right movie. Um, it says that this film was released for the first time in IMAX 70 millimeter 15 per film format exclusively at the IMAX theater in Riverfront Park in Spokane, Washington on hmm. December 17th, 2016. It was the last, um, the last movie shown by the theater before it was tor- torn down by the city council weird yeah why why this movie why this movie not the movie like 
that we've heard about in the 80s being like blown up to 70 million yeah. like ghostbusters or, or Back alien to the future or yeah aliens or interesting or and like interstellar or yeah a movie actually should dark Knight. Max. Two additional fantasy sequences of Ralphie's were ultimately cut from the film due to MGM wanting the film to be roughly 90 minutes in order to play every two hours in theaters. The first sequence involved Ralphie's teacher visiting his mother to talk about his excellency and why he deserves the Red Rider BB gun, followed by Ralphie imagining saving Flash Gordon from Ming the Merciless using the gun. The second sequence involved Ralphie saving Santa Claus from Black Bart and his gang with the gun, resulting in Santa piling presents on top of Ralphie as a reward. Both of these sequences have yet to be released. However, costumes and photos of the Flash Gordon scene can be found at the Christmas Story House Museum in Cleveland, Ohio, along with the script containing both scenes. The music used in the Flash Gordon sequence also still exists on the movie's official soundtrack. And that's all I have for trivia, Hmm. since Gaddy wanted to spoil most of what I had. (laughs) What were some of the things that you have that I spoiled? Um... Ralphie's father is never named. Um, I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. You said he's he's just known as the old man. Well, I've said I said the old man a few times. So I said their last name is Parker. You said his name. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Moving on. What is it? One star reviews now. Time for one star reviews. Okay. This is from 2010. Uh, the worst Christmas movie I've ever seen. It's written by Trevor Mason. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was so bad I had to turn it off after 50 minutes, which is like most of the movie. Yeah. Mutually agreed with my wife. I think Tressa wrote this. Yeah, probably. It's snowing six inches deep outside. December's just around the corner. It has almost as high an average IMDb mark as It's a Wonderful Life. So what could go wrong? Well, from my point of view, everything. The main drawback was the sickly sweet content, so overloaded with saccharine. 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 It should come with a warning for diabetics. <laughs> I hated the dorky kids, likewise their parent their dumb parents and teachers. The situations were shallow and unavoid uninvolving. There were zero laughs. Need I go on? He goes on. It's not that I'm against nostalgic Hollywood representation of pre-life, pre-teen life USA. In fact, I see from the IMDb trivia notes that the very wonderful The Wonder Years was born off this off- offering, which just shows that the TV, a- the TV adaptations can improve on the movie original. MASH and Alice are other examples that come to mind. Which I mentioned that Daniel Stern played the old man, the mm-hmm. sequel, and I just remember now that the Wonder Years, he's the the narrator, yeah, like Gene Shepard. In closing, I can only attribute the film's unaccountably high average score here to the fact that every member of the cast must have posted a positive mark and their parents. Well, it's funny they say that because there are one hundred fifty-two thousand three hundred forty-two reviews. Hmm. so must know a lot of people yeah so this one i'm not going to read the whole thing because it goes on for two pages fucking hell uh but it says i don't get it this is from 2019 and each paragraph has like it's an intro why do people like this film and like so that the whole paragraph inside the intro and then the second paragraph why i hate it colon the film centers around and you know of course the whole people explaining what the movie is Mm -hmm. even though they don't have to because imdb does that for us and so there's one two three four 
five, six, seven, eight paragraphs. Uh, one of the last paragraphs says, conclusion. I can ramble on all day. <laughs> I won't read all that. Thank you. Uh, this is from last Christmas. Totally inappropriate for kids. This film was obviously made with the kids being their target viewers, but the whole film is full of bad words. Really? Profanities. Ways of telling to lies. Say bad to... words and profanities? No, it, it, I'll, I'll, I'll read the punctuation, punctuation with this too. But the whole film is full of bad words, comma, profanities, comma, ways of telling lies to parents, comma, romanticizing air guns for kids, comma, inappropriate sexual lamp, comma, promotion for of Chinese restaurants and whatnot. <laughs> what? You cannot promote Chinese restaurants. How dare they do that to kids? <laughs> and that's all I have for one star reviews. Wow. So what have you seen recently? Movies, TV. Or audiobooks, because I have an audiobook. Mm, or just the book. Only thing that I've seen is I went to go see um, The Godfather at the New Bev in 35. Yeah. How was it? It was beautiful. It's from a 2008 print. It looked beautiful. That's the print I saw at uh, Arclay. Oh, really? Back in 2008. When it came out? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It looked amazing. Sounded amazing. We had just... Well, not just. When did we see that? Two months ago? Um... Uh, it, no, it was probably like for six, seven months ago. What? No way. When, whenever the Blu-ray came out, it was around that yeah. time. Okay. Well, Continue. whatever. Um, yeah. It was amazing. Um, sold out crowd. Perfect crowd. Um, and it was great. Really enjoyed it. They played a trailer for Apocalypse Now. Yeah. If you don't know anything about the new Bev, everything that they show there is on film. So um, they even source like trailers for movies that are related whether it be by um, the same director the same actors um, before the movie so everything you're seeing is like carefully curated and they had this trailer for apocalypse now and it was like probably like a nine minute trailer and it literally showed the whole movie (laughs) (laughs) and it was so um faded it was like completely like red basically Mm -hmm. but it's still fun to see it's a very interesting trailer i had never seen it before yeah well i guess uh coppola made that trailer himself probably yeah um and other than that yeah that's pretty much it so the godfather blu-ray came out in march of this year that was nine months ago fuck off really that literally feels like that was like three months Mm -hmm. ago which is around the time we started doing this podcast so yeah um okay yeah so i mentioned i saw the stage musical version of winnie the pooh it was sweet i liked it there were kids there obviously as there should be but there were also a lot of adults and we both generations or all generations i guess i should say were loving it it's sweet it's innocent it takes it's like this movie we're talking about it takes me back to simpler times just about to say that (laughs) i also finally saw gremlins because I bought Gremlins 2, and I really want to see Gremlins 2. But I watched Gremlins, and I liked it. Uh, Joe Dante, John Hora, DP, our man. My man. Uh, um, and I finally got through uh, a book called The Best Movie Year Ever. It's about all the movies that came out in 1999. It was an audiobook, so I listened to it while I was driving. Um, a lot of insight to a lot of movies that even I was like going that came out that year too. Obviously there's like a whole chapter about Magnolia, a whole chapter about fight club. Mm. Um, Where did you get it from? 
Uh, Audible. Audible. Yeah. You have so, an Audible account? I did. Oh, okay. uh, it, it sent me a thing saying for the next three months, ninety nine cents a month. It's like okay, so I got that next on my list to listen to is Raging Bulls and whatever uh, it's called, Easy Writers and Raging Bulls, which is about the the seventies movies and then i think i got some other book about film history so if we ever do any of those movies if we ever talk about the year 1999 hopefully i'll be able to bring in some of the insight that i got from the book but it's really i highly recommend it okay. there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on maybe just get the book because you I read probably, so much faster yeah, i probably will um homework i didn't write down actual notes for this but this isn't really homework for you as much as it is for both of us, both of us. and for all of you especially those with Disney plus accounts because we're going to do a double feature for Christmas movies. We love, we're going to talk about the first two home alone movies. Yeah. I probably won't watch home alone. The other home alone movies to uh, talk about how bad they are. Like I did with uh, Christmas story Christmas. We don't need to. We'll just leave it at they're bad. They're bad. Uh, The third one was supposed to have Macaulay Culkin in it, but, um, yeah, I don't know, really, I could have probably built that up a little bit better, but we're going to watch both of them. It's going to be a double feature. We're going to talk about how great the first one is and how much we love the second one, even though I have I have a lot of notes about it because I started making a video. I can't wait. Get ready for a six-hour episode, ladies and it gentlemen. It might be. It might be a long... I don't know if it's going to be six hours, but it's definitely going to be a long one. Uh <laughs> as long as we're having fun though, that's the point yes that that is the point and as long as we're both contributing none like this episode uh hmm. <laughs> by the way tress is back tress is back if you couldn't hear <laughs> glad to have her uh so thanks for listening thanks for listening um and we will talk to you soon you filthy animals send us your I said uh, cinephiliapod at gmail.com. Send us whatever the thing I requested like four hours ago. Uh, Also, send us some of your favorite Christmas presents and stories behind them. I know you won't. This is reverse (laughs) psychology. Hopefully it works. You won't do it. But now they're going to be like, I don't need to do it. Uh, (laughs) So listen to your Uncle Gaddy and do it. Yeah. Hopefully... Thank you, Tyler, for bringing in uh, your audio. Giving us some insight into our beautiful but fucked up childhood or fucked up butt fuck but <laughs> you know you're a filthy animal you're a real <laughs> sick fuck you know that uh and then let me record the other one uh, i wish tyler would have sent us that audio <laughs> anyway. yeah thanks a lot for nothing thanks for nothing you jerk face um uh, yeah so it'll be it should be a i'm really looking forward to home alone one and two because I think it's going to be fun because I love those movies. and uh, Me too. It's just going to turn into one long uh, quote for the movie. Yeah, I'm sure. Trusted, do you have any closing <laughs> words? You... Stay cool? Okay. <laughs> be cool about fire safety. <laughs> have a kick-ass summer. <laughs> All right. Keep the change, you filthy animals. That's next week. Stop it. Bye. This one, you'll shoot your hat. There you go. No, fuck that. Bye.
Hey guys, so, you know, I just wanted to go ahead and uh, give a response to the two questions you guys wanted me to answer uh, regarding Christmas and uh, Trevor. So, as a younger brother, Trevor wasn't really that annoying. Uh, you know, as a kid, he had his, you know, general annoyances, but uh, all in all, we were very close, so we didn't have a whole lot uh, between each other that uh, pissed, I didn't, he didn't piss me off as much as you would have thought as a younger brother. Um, but as far as him, he, one thing I will say is he was an incredibly fussy eater. He was very picky. Um, my all, what I'll always remember is, uh, he was basically had a fear of lunch meats and sliced cheeses. I would chase him around the house with such things. And, uh, he really did not care for that. But, uh, Trevor, I still to this day, unless it's like a tomato mozzarella, he wouldn't touch a sandwich with a 10 foot pole. Um, and Santa Claus, I don't really remember the time that I, uh, that I learned Santa Claus wasn't real. Uh, I know our dad tried very hard to hide that from us as kids. You know, he would try to explain away gifts and, you know, packages we'd have in the house. Um, I do remember we had a shopping cart full of toys once on the balcony. Uh, and I remember seeing items and there was like a Doc Ock uh, action figure. I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. I want that. Uh, and then when we finally got our gifts, somehow I did not get that. So I don't know where it went. I don't know if he kept it for himself or what, but, uh, but yeah, uh, other than that, you know, pretty basic. We're not very, I don't know about Trevor, but I'm not the biggest fan of the holidays in general. And, uh, you know, we try to make the best of it. Uh, happy holidays to you guys. Wish the best for everyone. You guys take care. Not